AEW is bloody brilliant. <laughs> a bit of a lag because I noticed it on my laptop just then. Uh, a slight lag issue. Hopefully it doesn't come across on the screen. Yeah, I'm getting all the notifications going, Hi CPU! It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Let's not panic. <laughs> It'll be perfectly fine. Anyway, we are here to talk about AEW Dynamite, which once again was absolutely brilliant. Built up to the Arthur Ashe show next week incredibly well. But I was trying to think, what is the best way to go through this show? And I thought, let's just make a thing for, of the first segment and just go through in order. Because this show was amazing. It was fantastic. Once again, did everything it needed to. But my name is, before we get into that, my name is Matt Mayer, a.k.a. Imp. And I am once again joined by James Boyd of One Nation Radio to review a great wrestling show uh, here on YouTube and also available in podcast form. Links in the description or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net for all your latest wrestling news. James, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I thought it was a really good show last night. Um, I think I liked last week's better, but I still enjoyed this, this uh, episode. And it made me think of like... The first few go-home shows for AEW pay-per-views, once uh, we had Dynamite, where it felt like there was like major angle alerts, like to try to hype you into getting to you know buy the pay-per-view, and you know they given the buy rates for the, hmm. those pay-per-views, they all worked, and it, it seemed like they're treating this Ash, Arthur Ashe show like a really big deal, which is really cool because they, they loaded that show up um, for that for Arthur Ashe week, if you will, and um, it's gonna be fun next week. It really is. <laughs> I've just realised what's up. My laptop needs a Windows update, and you all know what that means for a laptop. That means it's all going to shit. <laughs> it's all going down until I do that bloody update. <laughs> I'll take the demonetization hit. <laughs> it's just it's been for a fun one. Uh, yeah, it did an incredible well, job building to it. You know, you just you just said the S word, and like there are lots of those. Oh, it, uh, actually, last yes, actually, lots yes. Of <laughs> if we're gonna do it on any review, this is the most fitting one. Said <laughs> there was so much swearing <laughs> on this show. I swear, every other segment, someone was calling someone a piece of shit <laughs> or a shithead or working it into some form of pun. And uh, even the uh, TNT drama account just go, just tweeted out, I was like, can we say shit on TNT? <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> it's free reign. <laughs> Bizarre. So many people said it. <laughs> yeah. And I loved how, because I was obviously being a UK viewer, I'm not watching whilst in the loop. So it's quite nice that I noticed that and then I went onto Twitter and everybody was talking about it. <laughs> like, yes. Uh, yeah, because, yeah. you know, normally you save, like, you know, they keep have Jericho save shit for, like, you know, keep one in the chamber, but, like, it was just <laughs> unleashed last night. <laughs> just a roulette of them. <laughs> just fire, just. One after the other, emptying the chamber. <laughs> just full <full> gone. <laughs> it's okay. All right. Okay, that's too. That that, that is too like uh, uh, um, illustrating of of a pun to say that like the shit has left the chamber. Like let, let's. let's move on. I was going with your gun thing. This <laughs> is like bang 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 bang, <laughs> like a revolver. Oh. Anyway, I do I, I do agree. We probably should move on. Anyway, <laughs> so this show did an amazing job building to Arthur Ashe next week. You just leave the show feeling so incredibly hyped and, and that these two shows next week are the biggest deals in the world, which it doesn't matter if they are or not. The show has then really done its job if you leave feeling like that. It just cannot wait for next week. And there's also Rampage this week as well. And the thing, I guess in terms of like building to Arthur Ashe before we get into the uh, review of the main show, with the build to Arthur Ashe, quite a few reveals on this show. There are loads of matches set up. There's like one after the other. Quite a few like, oh, I'm actually really interested to see that. 
like Sting and Derby versus FTR, which makes loads of sense, and I'm way more interested in it than Tully versus Sting. It's like, oh, yeah, I just assumed it would be like Spears and Tully versus Derby and Sting, but this is so much better. <laughs> well, and it's still within the same story, continues to build the same thing, and just does such a better job of going to it. There's a moth right in front of me. <laughs> but they, they built to the card so incredibly well. But the other announcement too was that Rampage next week is going to be two hours. So we're essentially getting two Arthur Ashe shows where I'm not complaining about that. <laughs> Both cards look incredibly solid. Maybe the Rampage one of the few more tag matches, but they're all really enticing tag matches. So who cares? <laughs> and it's AW. They treat those uh, matches seriously as well. And for me, it's like a great example. Like yeah. You can make a card feel this strong, but you, you don't have to put titles on the line. And for me, that's just the just the epitome of making wins and losses matter. Because in WWE, because wins and losses don't really matter, to make the match important, you have to put the title on the line. Or something crazy, like half a million dollars or your career or something, to kind of give the match that massive emphasis, especially on like a shorter build like this for Arthur Ashe. However, in AW, I think, I think, yeah, I am specifically talking about shorter builds. But with AEW, because okay. of the wins and losses, because they do matter, you don't have to put titles on the line. Like, like there is, there's the tag titles aren't on the line. The I think the only one, only two that are are the women's and the TNT. There's yeah, yeah. no no world title match, no tag team title match because they don't have to because the matches they're in still matter. They, there is no need to do that, and that's just abs- just that consistency that gets there. Where suddenly the kind of stress is off, it can just continue to build, just give a massive kind of plot point within that build, and it can still feel like a big deal. So, yeah, just a massive round of applause for AW. Just the way this card has fallen together feels massive, and yet not had to give away any major points. Uh, basically, I am talking about Omega and Danielson, the title's not on the line, but it still feels massive. So, well done. <laughs> well done. Uh, congratulations there. So, we are going to go through the show just yeah, straight I mean, up. This all came together and it was cool. Sorry, sorry, yeah, go again. I said, I mean, this all came together, you know, uh, for them basically in like a two-week span. Like, obviously, you know, the tickets were sold, but like mm. as far as building, um, the building really started from, um, you know, all or all out, you know. So, it's been really a two-week build to this and it's really cool. Yeah, and um, I think... The thing I keep thinking about with Arthur Ashe is the women's final is still in everybody's mind. Well, at least it's still in my mind because it's happened so recently. It's such a, like a big sporting event as well. And I swear, like, maybe it's just because I was following all the tennis stuff, but whenever I go on Twitter, there's still new things with Radu Kanu just on. To learn her name, there's a comedian over here called Vic Reeves. <laughs> and he would always say words we- weirdly. Um like, mm-hmm. like, Uvavu, Iranu, just like that. It was a bit silly. It was the 90s. <laughs> but um, to learn her name, my brother, because I was struggling to say her name, and my brother was like, just say it like Vic Reeves <laughs> in Shooting Star. <gasps> like, oh, okay. Radul Kanu. <laughs> so I have to... <laughs> it works. I say her name right, but I do it in a silly voice. <laughs> it stuck. <laughs> but yeah, so... But yeah, so she's still massively in the news doing all the things a new celebrity in America does. <laughs> but... Uh, that means Arthur Ashe is also still in people's minds as well. So when AEW are running that event, it feels like, in my head, it's an even bigger deal because of how in the spotlight that venue currently still is after the, the big event that's happened. So that just adds to it as well. It's a genius idea. It's their, is this their biggest venue yet? 
that they've won? Or was Chicago? Um, I, uh, it's got to I think I think Arthur Ashe is a little bit bigger. Mm. Um, I don't know what the configuration is exactly, but I mean, as far as like uh, their actual um, just general bear strip down everything. Like for what they're meant for, like United Center is uh, is where the Blackhawks play for hockey and where the Chicago Bulls play for basketball. And um, I'm just thinking like where the configurations are and their attendances are normally. Uh, I don't know what it is once you you know tarp off you know a section of the of the uh, of the arena for you know the props and lights and interest ramp and all that kind of stuff. So um, I, I think I will I want to say it's Arthur Ashe, but I could be wrong. But it's it's kind of close. Like, like it's within five, it's, it's within like a, few, a couple thousand of each other. Mm. And as well, with a kind of final note before we'll go through the show, the ratings as well, AW again have just won. I'm not, it's not like, a, oh, they've beaten them, they destroyed Monday Night Raw. It's like, no, they just won with a slither <laughs> over Monday Night Raw. But this is this new upstart promotion that's only existed for a short amount of time. This is only their second, are they not even at, they haven't even completed their second year on television. Oh, no. I'm doing it 2019 to 20. Yeah, this is the end of their second year on TV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Late night maths is not kind to the brain. <laughs> so, yeah. So, they this is the end of their... They've not even reached the end of their second year yet, and they're already beating them in that key demo two weeks on the trot. Yes, it's close. It's They're just beating them, but the fact they're doing it so quickly with so much momentum, and there's Arthur Ashe next week. The football's not going anywhere. And suddenly AEW right. have got this massive show with so much hype behind it. That it's, like, it's, <laughs> some people said, oh, oh no, Raw's going to get massacred. I, I, I won't say that. <laughs> I, won't be that. I won't say something like that. No. no but I'd be no. so surprised if it's not three weeks on the trot. Just because of how hot one show is compared to the other one, which is really up against it. There was a lot of positivity coming out of Raw. It was still yes. mostly fine. But the main event has got so much positivity with Big E. <laughs> it's like, again, I reviewed the entire show. Most of it was fine. Like it wasn't one of those shows that was egregious, or you just you could just you're not sitting there going, "But why though?" <laughs> it was that, that that's a it's a low bar, but I complimented them. It was like you did a show which was fine, which for Raw is really good. <laughs> so well done. <laughs> and then you watch AEW, and it really hit with the first two entrances. I'm transitioning. It's a natural transition. <laughs> the First two entrances, CM Punk, absolutely massive pop, pelting it out in glee as he launches himself into the embrace of the fans, <laughs> just hugging some random fella dressed as Dusty at ringside as well. Uh, just pure happiness just everywhere throughout the arena. Then Adam Cole immediately follows to arguably the biggest pop. <laughs> I just was not expecting to him to get a pop of that level. It's like back-to-back pops and he just it hit me all out. It's just like everybody's over. It's just, it's night and day watching these promotions. Like, uh, my main complaint from Raw was that they dedicated just over 30 minutes to the women's tag team title scene. And it was, in terms of what it was, it was you repeat, like last week, they just had a tag title match. It's uh, Championship Contenders, which is the same booking method they've used for years just with their name slapped on it. (laughs) As in, to to become number one contenders, you beat the champions. That's all that match is. And just like pure WWE, it's not consistent. <laughs> Sometimes you can beat them and it doesn't matter. <laughs> the main, main, main example is Shot, uh, not, I can't say it, Knox and Shotzi beat the champions three times. Nothing. Because <laughs> they didn't actually want to do the match. Just, they needed to fill the card with something. That's what it screams of anyway. 
Uh, my point being that they dedicated then half an hour this week after the tag title match last week. Sorry, with the tag match last week where the champions got defeated. This week, uh, last week I said, it's going to be a singles match. That's just guaranteed. It's going to be at least one singles match between the like, two people from the teams. And we got that. We got back-to-back <laughs> singles matches. I'm just sitting here just like the most standard of standard booking. And it sucks because the women's tag team titles could be so much more. And we've seen it be more. <laughs> but since a certain era ended, with certain people holding it, it's just been nothing. <laughs> and this was just the same standard predictable in a bad way because predictable is sometimes good it's sometimes fine it's not thing equals bad but in this occasion where i can sit here and be like i don't need to watch any of this <laughs> it doesn't really matter compare that and i just i just i was just thinking about that when i was watching aw and it's just act after act after act is getting amazing reactions it's just like no one isn't over on this show I guess the least over people who are, are the ones who aren't actually there because they like the MMA people with Dan Lambert. <laughs> they're the least over people on the show because <laughs> they're not AEW people. They're not on the show, which says so much about how they've got everybody over. Just well done. It's, it's night and day, and I just felt it with this just this first match, just three entrances, and I just immediately felt it. And yeah, it, it means so much to a show where you put in that long term effort. Now we're seeing it. It's not even that long term. Again, like coming from New Japan with the how how many years with the Naito arc? <laughs> it's just going from there. That like, this is still short term <laughs> for what AEW are going for. Like Hangman's not got his title match yet. Just wait till he's champion. Wait till the confidence story there. It's not. It doesn't even end when he's champion. <laughs> There's just so much kind of positivity to take from it. But this first match as well was an, um, an amazing way to start the show. Like, such a damn strong way to start it, with AEW's, like, resident veteran and the hot elite rival. Uh, the match itself ended with a Panama sunrise, once reversed, twice destructive. Cole following up with the charging knee for the win, uh, and then it entered in story time. But, yeah, what did you make of this opener, James? Oh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I really like... Frankie Kazarian. I, he's somebody that I think um, kind of fits me in the mold of somebody that's almost like um, someone that like wrestles like as if he doesn't wrestle, he will be fired and then he will have to go back to whatever <laughs> environment he came from. Yes. Like he's one of those people that uh, he's one of those people that me and Rich consider a can't go back all star. Right. Mm. Like there are a lot of people like there are a lot of people in sports, for example, that like come from backgrounds that are so rough and tough that like this was their ticket out. And they have to, and they, and they, you know, and they're in their sport, and they play with so much passion and determination, and and um, and energy that is like they're, they're, it's almost like they're afraid that if you know this is all gonna be taken away tomorrow. Like uh, I don't know if you know who this is, but there is a football player named Jerry Rice, um, who you know considered one of the greatest football players of all time, maybe somewhere in the top five, right? Uh, yes, the Vice Man. And, yes. <laughs> Like he's the greatest wide receiver of all time. I, I'm, I'm sorry for getting out of turn. You'd be like, yeah, wide receiver, whatever. But but um, basically, um, hit basically he basically had this reputation for like his workouts in the off season were so ridiculously hard, um, and like that was it, and he got that from like having to like travel long distance to school back and forth, you know, like mm-hmm. or whatever. But anyway, like Frank Azarian, like the way he wrestles, like. He he always has high energy. He always is technically sound. He always like just puts all into it, regardless of whatever spot he is. Whether he's in a tag team, whether he, he's doing singles matches with with guys, and like 
you look and he's always been someone for me is like almost like Roger Strong, where it's like every time he's on in the ring, like I just can't wait to watch him. Um, and the pairing of him with with Cole, like I knew it was going to be a really good match, and it absolutely was. And like they could have a better match and a little more time if they wanted to, but like that wasn't the point. The point was like put Adam Cole in there with an established guy that people respect in the ring and knows he, he can work his ass off and have them go uh, uh, get it done and put him over. And I thought it was a really good job. And it gave, um, you know, he looked impressive. Like, you know, it's really hard to, um, in WWE on the main roster, it's really hard to put somebody in there with somebody that the crowd respects and then, like, have them have a, a semi-competitive match where the other guy goes over and where, and where it comes off. We're like, that guy's the guy that he just beat is good, but, like, look how impressive that guy is. And they've done it sometimes, but, like, at times you kind of figure, like, well, maybe they should, you know, kind of turn it more into one side as opposed to a back and forth. And this was a true um, – this was mostly, like, a like a 60-40 match as far as um, one person having control of the match. And, it's, and uh, Adam Cole just trying to be the better wrestler. And it's going to be fun to see what he does going forward, um, especially now that it, it looks like we're about to go towards Jurassic Express versus, you know, the super click. I, I think it's going to be a blast of a match. Yeah, and uh, one thing I'm not sure is going to stay over is uh, every promo starting with "Who's ready for story time with Adam Cole, baby?" <laughs> third one. Third one. See how long that lasts. You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, he, he said it at the start of every one of his promos so far, and I get he might be excited. His his little thing of what well, we're a bit looser here. I can do. I've got this cool thing I can say. You've got to pop the first time. Let's <laughs> keep saying it. So, uh, yeah, probably don't need to start every. <laughs> every single one with it. Uh, the crowd respond positively every time, uh, but yeah, I did. I did notice it this time. It's like yeah, it's just the third time maybe, done it. Maybe he's a genius and he's trying to shed like the cool hill roll, and it's mm. like over time that will start being chalks on a uh, nail board on chalk. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry, nails on the chalkboard to mm. uh, to people. Like after like the 15 time, like, okay, we fucking get it. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And that's the point. Keep doing it, and he knows it's worked when someone goes, no! <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Whenever it happens. <laughs> uh, he challenges uh, Christian, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus to a match with the Super Click, which will take place on the Rampage edition of, of the Wrestle Grand Slam next week. Uh, yeah, that should be a blast. I mean, looking at that Rampage, the Rampage one just looks like match after match, that should be an absolute blast. <laughs> it's just... Uh, absolutely solid, and the um, and the dynamite one just looks like a huge card. It's it's yeah. We'll get to each segment eventually. Just uh, wildly hard. Uh, one of those as well. Uh, Lucha Bros got their little VTR against their opponents, the Butcher and the Blade, who have racked up little wins uh, on Dark Skin again the, to this point, where uh, yeah they've got that win loss record and their main event, and it's it's that genius idea. Where Butcher and Blade, before Lucha Bros became champions, started racking up a couple of wins, and now Lucha Bros are champion, they're the next in line. It's like, oh, yeah. Surprisingly enough, when when we say long term booking, and that you can just put little things and little things and little hints in the kind of earlier on, because you know you're going to a certain point. But if you know Lucha Bros are losing at all out, you can already start to set up the next thing, and and that's just, yeah. Yeah, perfect. And these are the guys that formerly in a stable together and 100% a team Lucha Bros should be beating. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's and will be beating. So it's a it's a really good first opponent to kind of get that reign established. But it doesn't feel like it's a match with nothing. So just, yeah, huge applause to the way they've set this up. Just so naturally, 
because they've already put in the work because they knew they, what something that was going to happen. <laughs> it's just, it sounds simple. And with most TV, it is. <laughs> it's just in wrestling specifically, the, the one company on top doesn't do it. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, yes, a, a really good first match. Uh, we also got a Sammy Guevara and Fuego del Sol. And when you hear Fuego del Sol, James, what's the first thing you think about? When I hear him talking? Just when you hear his name, when you hear his name, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Yes, it is uh, his car. You're right. You think Del Sol, you think car. <laughs> Just oh, he's the guy with the car, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's who it is. <laughs> that's very good, Del Sol. Uh, yeah, after getting his new ADW contract, he bought a new car, and it's like oh, Del Sol in that car. <laughs> it's all I think about. <laughs> I I saw the car and I was like angle alert, and then um, <laughs> sure enough, like. I'm, you know, uh, me and uh, a few of my friends and in uh, uh, our Largo Loop thread, like we start, like immediately start coming up with like E Honda in like the uh, in the in the Street Fighter mm. uh, bonus section of the game where they're beating up a car, you know, with special moves and punches <laughs> yeah, and yeah, kicks yeah. in a certain amount of time to you know to get XP. And I'm just like, yep, that's that was gonna happen. Like Mirror's gonna beat the hell out of that out of that Honda after he destroys uh, Fuego del Sol, and you know maybe that leads towards uh, Sammy Guevara. Because um, it's all been interconnected for the, ever since the first uh, rampage, so we'll see. But um, but regardless of whatever happens, I need Miro to win. And I need Miro to fuck up that car. I, I just need to see it. Yeah. I just need to see him rip the car doors off and throw them around like he's Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah, and it is. It feels like because Sammy was there, it felt such a natural transition from from this into a much bigger match in Miro Sammy Guevara. And it, and again, this is where predictability is good. This is absolutely perfect because you set it up. It's not really predictability; it's foreshadowing. You're telling the audience you're going to do it without blatantly saying it, so they expect it, and it kind of gets in a much, much more natural way. Uh, yeah, he's going to destroy that car, and it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> I wasn't going to say the next thing in my head. <laughs> so and then, then he and Lana will destroy the car in a different way <laughs> to celebrate that car will be destroyed. Ah, <laughs> uh, I PG'd what I had in my head. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, um, it, later in the show as well, Miro just had, just in response to it, it was just like, I mean, if you want to, I don't know why you would, <laughs> but if you want to get destroyed by the Redeemer, then I'm not going to turn you away. And, and uh, that as well set for the Rampage edition next week. Yeah, all hot for it. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Miro's been a brilliant champion, and this feels like such a natural progression to get Sammy Guevara to a title position. Uh, yeah, it's all, all, all well done. So well done. Do you have Guevara beat Miro? Um, I I don't know what's next for Guevara if he's not uh, TNT champion. Like, uh, but for me, given how well Miro has done, like if he's not the TNT champion, I could see him going up in a bunch of different directions with a bunch of people because I think. Um, I think he is probably the third or fourth, or really right now at this point, the fourth, number four heel in AEW. So, um, you know, him and Brian Danielson, uh, him and, um, for example, like, let's say Jungle Boy or Luchasaurus, or, like, there's a bunch of places from go. Um, so I, I think that, um, hell, even CM Punk, after he's done with uh, Team Taz, I think there's a bunch of places for him to go um, for, for some of the, you know, the, the abundance of babyface we have. Um, in the singles division, the men's singles division, AEW. So I think this kind of frees him up because I think the people that he can, 
um, that he can feud with in the future are more people that's uh, kind of above him in the in, in weight class. So you kind of need to get the TNT title away from that because I think the obviously you know Tony Khan has uh, said a lot about he doesn't want it to be to to feel like a mid card title. Um, and while I think with Cody and Darby you could say it did not feel like a mid card title. Uh, I want for me personally. Uh, I feel like the role that Miro has given, if he, if this thing existed that he's was run, he's been on without the title didn't exist. You would say like he's one of the best mid carders uh, in professional wrestling or in American professional wrestling right now. So uh, I think that you kind of get him away from that, and you can kind of move him up, up, and um, you can you can let him loose. I I, I really enjoy like um, I really enjoy what they have right now with the number of like baby faces you believe in, in like the number of like hills that are like just around that are also like you want to see the, the plug and play that's at uh that's at, that's at play with like all these toys on the uh uh for tony Khan to play with so um I, I feel like he's had a great run and he can you know move on from there um because you know a lot of people thought that there was gonna be a rematch after the, the low blow at all out to go to kingston but kingston ended up finding this tag match with uh suzuki goon and that's even better uh, mm. in, uh in my opinion so like you know Sammy Guevara, people people love him. Um, they love the you know the him you know giving up for Jericho to keep from getting thrown off the cliff and then him getting uh, put back, but uh, or or him you know actually getting the win at um, the Stadium Stampede uh, at Double or Nothing. So like yeah, people were behind him, and then the proposal with his uh, with his uh, fiance um, a few weeks ago. Like I, I feel like it's it's upward trajectory for him, and like you know. Um, this would be the not right place to put it because, like, him and him doing open challenges with people like Dante Martin or whatever else, like, sign me up. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Like, the babyface version of Miro, it's just, yes. Would so, work so incredibly well. Uh, yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, in terms of the vein of a champion, obviously, Guevara and Miro, very different. <laughs> Which makes their match even just, oh, it just feels, mm, it's just, it's tasty. Tasty match. <laughs> uh, MJF then came out. To a raucous evasion, as always, and a uh, just a, a back and forth and commentary that really made me laugh. Where, uh, uh, where MJF is saying that I'm in the armpit of America, New Jersey. Uh, JR just going, isn't he from New Jersey? And then this Gallagher's response that he's from Rhode Island. It's like New Jersey, but worse. <laughs> it just really made me laugh. As Excalibur bets heart himself where he's now a baby face everywhere except Rhode Island. <laughs> they hate, he's, he just hates Rhode Island. <laughs> he can't take it. <laughs> oh, that does really make me laugh. MJF himself getting shut the fuck up chance just like after two lines. <laughs> he just really riled them up. And apparently they didn't give like cups drinks at the show. They were afraid of doing that because they were afraid they would get chucked at one of the acts. I'm guessing, <laughs> just as just as a guess, that this it might have been this one. <laughs> they were afraid stuff would be chucked out there. Um, I, I'm assuming that's higher because of the pandemic. Was in just chucking things is obviously a bit different. Later in the show, that obviously there were things involved with different ass rolling through the crowd. Uh, oh yeah, in terms of like throwing a drink and stuff, like yeah, I mean, but you then had two different cr- brawlers through the crowds <laughs> in the show. So, uh, so yeah, it's good to see, show, see some safety, but you know, it didn't it didn't matter later, <laughs> so he did it anyway. So uh, yeah, those segments were still hot. They still made amazing television. <laughs> it's just like uh, 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 yeah. anyway, um, he's come out to talk to Brian Pillman directly. 
knowingly going for that Eddie's in hell heat, just to asshole chance, just so loud from everybody as he looks down to talk to Pillman's spirit, just taking the absolute piss, uh, all building to uh, Pillman Jr. running out again and attacking him, pleading with him to stop his son for stepping up to him next week for his own damn good. Uh, just the uh, classic wrestling thing of, do you stop him from competing at Wrestle Grand Slam next week live from Arthur Ashe? <laughs> just all of them, like, don't forget to plug it all, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, music hits for Pillman, who instead slid into the ring from ringside to swing at the lads for a nice pop and lead in for a sit-down interview with JR, uh, which then was just uh, Pillman all heated up for next week. Uh, I, I think he's been, I've liked him the two times he's now spoken in this little bit with MJF, like last week and this week here. Uh, here, the lines that I kind of took from it were him saying that he's all clean, I mean, look, all cleaned up. But where he's come from, what he's been through to get here was feral. Uh, he lets his father, he feels like he let his father down last week. But at Wrestle Grand Slam, he's going to beat MJF for the family name, damn it. They're just babyface fire promo in the end. Uh, yeah, but what did you make of this with MJF and uh, Pillman's running? Yeah, MJF getting um, local heat like has been really fun the past two weeks. Um, for me, I I, pu- I pulled the brakes on it or said I want to be off this trip uh, once he started doing the Pillman is in hell thing because it's mm-hmm. like I've never I, I never I never liked those kind of promos. Like when uh, the, the the one that I'm like famously remember is like the the uh, Randy Orton Ray Mysterio Eddie is dead. Or Eddie's mm-hmm. in hell, like so. Like I've never, I've never liked those. There's always been ones where he's like, "All right, bro, like you were killing the crowd." And this one, just like this one's where I was like, I just pulled it, pulled me out of, out of it because it's like I, this fake fighting, bro. Like I don't mm-hmm. people like stuff like that. People like you know, people get hurt saying stuff like that to people that they don't like in real life. See, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. like for me, it's like, all right, that's beyond the pale. Like so, whatever. Um, like I don't think that. Uh, I don't think that Brian Pillman is going to then lose his match. Uh, if this was if this were real, right? I don't think mm-hmm. that Brian Pillman will lose his match, and that'll be the end of the feud. Like if I was Brian Pillman, like someone would be kind of be in, have to be in the dirt. So like for me, that's why I kind of like it checks me out. Of like this, this, like come on, man, like this is whatever. But like as far as I'm getting heat with New Jersey and, and shitting on them, I I, I loved it. Um, New Jersey is uh, is home to some of like in in that whole tri-state area. Uh, slash Eastern Philadelphia is like some of the, the worst sports fans you'll ever come across. <laughs> like, yeah. So for me, it's like, cool, like shit on them. Fine by me. So, um, but you know, as far as uh, the match at, uh, at Arthur Ashe, I think that like, this is a real big opportunity for Pillman to kind of, you know, get himself like on, on dynamite more. Um, and also including the varsity blondes as well. Um, but we all know that like, this is meant to get um, MGF his heat back after losing, uh, to Jericho at all out, and and that's perfectly fine. So um, he's a, he's a top of the line, uh, top of the card heel, and he's really protected very well. Like so, this is for, and all of this has been to get his heat back, and I think he's done a really good job. With aside from my, my me just not just of GP not liking mm-hmm. um, uh, the deaf stuff. So yeah, and for me, I really I really like how this feud has kind of come about purely because it really has felt like MJF lashing out in response to losing to Jericho. Like all of this has come like when he was going far last week, I didn't go that the right. boy's going too far. For me that was this like a character beat, this is him in response yeah. lashing out to Absolutely. losing. Like he's pissed about right. losing and this is how MJF expresses that. He goes right. too far because he's angry, right. <laughs> because he's pissed. In in 
and um, and this um, and like the crowd also is picking up on that. That's why they get the you tapped out stuff, and then you know tell them to shut the hell up or tell shut the fuck up, like because they realize that like he is emotionally small, which is a great um, you know a great uh, um, character uh, point for a heel, where he's just like he's just small and petty, and, like and that's one of the reasons why like, I like Adam Cole so much, like because when Adam Cole loses, he would lash out in NXT, like when he was like abusing, mm-hmm. not abusing, but he was like shutting down. Um, uh, Roger Strong at like the night after or the show after they he had lost at NXT Takeover um, New York um, to Gargano after he you know did all the yeah. you, you know the run-ins at, at towards the end and he still lost and it was like he lost because he got pinned and like he had to blame uh, Roger like it's the same thing like that's the reason why like last week he blamed um, Wardlow like there's nobody yes. like he's he can't he can't he it's cope it's coping mechanism and I just love it like he's, he's his his brain and his ego is sent scrambling and this is how it manifests and it's been fun watching him like go off the deep end and, and tearing the crowds yeah just yeah P- perfect stuff perfect stuff and this is the in fact he has consequences to lashing out and it's brought out Pillman and uh, we'll see what happens at Arthur Ashe they've done a great good job to kind of build this up and once again I need it into my showcase of. Uh, uh, which, uh, which again, which latter bringing it up again on Twitter? <laughs> just the uh, oh, but what do they do once the pops stop? <laughs> it's because it's such a silly statement. You can bring it up <laughs> just over and over, and uh, yeah, another great. This feud is a perfect example. Of, like, what are they gonna do? This. <laughs> it's just it's, if you watch the show, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> you can fit pretty easy to spot. <laughs> pretty easy. Uh, moving on as well to highlighting another young star. AEW have fallen in love with Dante Martin. Man, they are showcasing him, having the commentators go crazy for every little thing that he does. I cannot wait for his partner to come back and for Top Flight to become like one of the top teams on the show. Fingers crossed, hopefully. Uh, but here he was teaming with Matt Seidel to face FTR and Tully as FTR get built. And well, we didn't know this at the point, but FTR getting built for Arthur Ashe. And yeah, for me, these are the perfect kinds of opponents for FTR. Pulling off incredibly impressive flippy flips as Cash and Dax is just right in front of Cash and Dax's face is like how disrespectful <laughs> to the name of professional wrestling. Uh, uh, I said this last week, but Martin can jump. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Still, again, possibly even higher than last week. It's mental. Uh, Dante, a running inferno as FTR struggled to keep the Athletic Man down. Eventually, cutting Seidel down was the key to the puzzle as the yeah, FTR lifted Martin up into the big rig. And yeah, FDR continuing to rack up wins. And at the time, I was like, oh, this is surely to build them up for the Lucha Bros. Like, even though you've got different teams, you've got Santana and Ortiz, feels like the big tag match to build to now with those two teams. However, yeah, you can build, you've got teams like FDR as well, because now Lucha Bros can face all the heels. You've done Young Bucks defending against face teams. You can now have all the heels get a go. It's like, oh, yes. <laughs> it feels so refreshing. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, yeah, the tag team, tag team division has so many hot potential matches. Uh, I really, I, I, uh, I can't wait for what's next around the corner because they're building to it so incredibly well. But yes, FDR getting this win here. Uh, yeah, well, what do you make of uh, this little build? I guess for FDR and showcase for Dante. I like the pairing of uh, of Dante with the Mar- where, no, sorry with the Sidells like uh, Mike and Matt. Um, you know, it's not like a crutch, but like when they bring it out, like I like the idea of like. They get along because they're baby faces and, you know, there's two sets of brothers. So and one's vets and one's are young guys and they're trying to, you know, bring in the young guys. And, you know, with, with Darius out, like, and, you know, it's been a highlight 
uh, it's been a showcasing, as you said, for for Dante and like him and him and you know him and uh, Matt, like they go together very well. And also, it's, it's also a good explanation for why they like they could lose to a team, um, even though they're both you know sensational wrestlers. They can lose to a team that's you know been together, been up up multiple promotions and everything, and the team has been pretty well protected, like FTR for them to eventually beat them. He's like, because when the rubber meets the road, like. The, the 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 bond just isn't there like they've been they've tagged it for a, a few times but they haven't been tagging for years right so um it was a good place for the you know storyline wise for why like the you know the veteran team beat the you know the guys that are have a bond but not that kind of bond so um yeah like keep putting Dante martin on, on tv for me like <laughs> i I, mm-hmm. I enjoy watching him. I, wa- I enjoy watching his hot tags i enjoy watching him go nuts and come up with stuff like the thing with uh powerhouse hobbs um uh, last week and you know over time like people are already behind them but like you know i talked about this last week but like it's going to be a different version of like the darby thing where like this person is going out here putting on a show and this person is getting killed in these matches a different way getting killed he's not actually like taking you know taking uh weeks off his life like or off his career like darby does but like doing some of the way things he does before he gets beat like people are going to like getting attached for that dude and like i can't wait to uh to uh Darius is back, and like they're then as a team, like they're future tag champs. Yes, uh, and and yes, K Black Team Mover. We we also love the tag division. Uh, uh, he's saying that the yeah, storyline matchups are endless. Oh yes, they've set up so much. Yeah, set up so much. Uh, yeah, just wait till the trios gets unlocked. Uh, oh yes, we've talked. I think we talked about this last week. <laughs> it's just that, yes, we did. We did. Just that thing of the they've got so many trios matches set up, and you know just how hot fire those matches will be, and. Even just a nice little thing of the super click. Just, yeah, there's your trios team. Don't even need to yeah. <laughs> have any more. It's perfect. Hey, yeah. So many trios. Like you, they have, like, the Elite now have, like, two top-level uh, <laughs> top uh, trios teams inside their, their faction. Like, they got super click and they got the Elite. Like, I would like to see them do a, a Nick Jackson Omega Cole team um, just to see how that works um, as far as, like, some, some super team. Like, let's say if they're wrestling, like, uh, Dev Triangle, I would love to see that. Mm. Oh, damn. <laughs> it just immediately just hits you. like, oh, yeah, yeah, this would be a hot fire division. <laughs> just, yes. Yeah. Perfect for television as well. Just the way that, he, yeah. the, the way that it would work. Just, yeah. Important, but not that high upscale, but you get really exciting matches from it. So, thumbs up. Uh, Ram- built for Rampage as well. Just that <laughs> teaser, really exciting match. Uh, before I move on, there's one note from this show that I haven't actually brought up yet. CM Punk and Commentary. What did you make of CM Punk and commentary for the night, or most of the night? I mean, it's almost as if like he—it's almost as if like he never left wrestling for seven years, mm. and like he's still as good a commentator as he was when he's in WWE. Um, like there are certain people like uh, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, Chris Jericho, Kevin Owens, uh, The Miz as well. Uh, John Cena's hit or miss at times. Uh, depends on like you know uh, if it was in his prime John Cena or not, but like those are people that I think of like immediately when I think of like professional wrestler doing guest commentary and like those are people like that are very damn good at it and like it's almost like he never left and he's still as good as he was you know seven eight nine years ago on get on uh, guest commentary. Uh, but th- he was there, he was there for most of the night. And I thought he was I thought he was damn good. Um, like if he if it ever comes a time where he's done he should be doing this i he's wait like you know i think jericho can be very um can be fun in spurts like i think he's i think he's better as a person that's there for one week as opposed to someone that's there every week um cuz he can be kind of grating at times 
but like Punk can just Punk can just fit into it naturally and be a real commentator. Like he's almost like a Taz, where he just comes in, you know, it's him. But like he adds to everybody else's story and fills in points and and whatever else. Like I I think he's I think he's great at it. And one little note that I really liked is because of course with, with guest commentators and stuff, I'm still adjusting from the world of WWE where if a guest commentator comes in. They're not going to sound any different because it's still getting shouted down your ear. <laughs> what they've got to say, they're still going, "Oh!" Like the the, 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 the when Renee got quite a lot of heat for her her time on commentary, I was just like, "But why though?" Because she's, she's just saying what she's told. <laughs> I don't quite get the hate for it. Yeah, so it's not really her fault. I've always felt that uh, Renee was miscast originally. Like mm. I thought that when she was on NXT and when she was doing play by play, I thought that she could have. Uh, I thought she was going to be like the person that supplants uh, Cole. Mm. Um, and then they they brought her up, but they brought her up to be to do basically the babyface uh, color commentary against Graves, who you know, even though Graves can can uh, because of the company stink. When he was in NXT, mm. he was a really good uh, heel um, color announcer. So like. He has that experience advantage of being in that role, and like you know, she just wasn't she wasn't built for that particular role in commentary. And then you throw in like the the time when they were going towards the end of uh, uh, Ambrose's contract, mm. uh, his his tenure, and they were like, okay, like that is your husband while he's getting his ass whooped, you know, or getting embarrassed almost every single week. Like I thought that part stunk. So yeah. Uh, I think it's important, like, you know, if you're going to have a commentary team, know what people's roles are, and then, like, make sure they have some type of chemistry. Uh, I think it's the main thing, and I think that people like Taz and people like CM Punk, like, they can just fit in with pretty much anybody. Like, mm. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Excalibur is very accommodating, and, like, uh, Tony uh, Schiavone seems like he's having a blast every, every time he's watching AEW, but, like, uh, finding a role with, like, four people is hard. It just is, yeah. and, like, I thought Punk did a great job with four people. Yeah, his thing was I'm a wrestler and I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna do commentary, but I'm also gonna scout the talent and see who I want to face. Yeah, he, he wasn't right. just there reacting to the stuff as any other person would. No, he gave a reason to exist on that commentary table, served his purpose, and then got slammed through it. So yeah, uh, really strong stuff. <laughs> also, one little note is uh, when uh, CM Punk was on uh, the all sessions with Renee the first time, and uh, they did talk about the commentary stuff. Because, of course, Punk, when he got injured, he did commentary for a bit. And apparently, I think it was when Punk had gone to Raw, because he was commentating with Jerry Lawler, um, he was saying... Cause this this shocked Renee into annoyance, in a way, because <laughs> uh, she would have loved to know it. But Punk, apparently, Vince was shouting down his ear, just like he does with everybody. Just shouting down his ear. And then, uh, apparently, during a break or something, uh, Punk just nudged Lawler and went, Where's the mute button? And Lord just ported to it, and he just <laughs> turned Vince off. <laughs> wow, uh, that's crazy! Yeah. I did not know that. I didn't know. I, I mean, mm. we we all know that, like, uh, about like you know, probably ten to twenty times during one of these Raws or Smackdowns, like Cole and whoever else at Comedy Proof is getting motherfucked. Mm. So I, you know, I, I did not know that they were able to like turn it off. I figured that like. By you know, by a certain amount of time, and uh, Vince will realize you're not listening, to, or this person not listening to me. Go get him to a commercial break and tell him to turn you know my instructions back up. <laughs> yeah, apparently he just it must have been a short of recording or something because he just left it off. <laughs> it's just and Renee's face was like, I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> That's insane. Wow, that would have helped so much. 
Yeah, it, so, it probably would have. Mm. It probably would have. She said that at one point, Vince was going at her so much, and she's like, acknowledge, do you hear me? Do you hear me? Apparently, she was just staring into the camera going, mmm, mmm, <laughs> like, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Wow. Like, he's, yeah, I've heard it's bad. I've heard it's bad. But yeah, obviously, this is a much looser version, and he can sense the enjoyment amongst the commentators. It's, it's nice to see. Nice to see. But for this bit, Punk gave his serious voice. Oh, oh and yes, yes, from comments, uh, Samoa Joe is on the list of great commentators. I'd like to see him in a... Oh, yes, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely, yes. yes. Uh, I, I would say that... I would say that um, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he is absolutely great. Um, I, I don't know if it really over, in or, or overlaps because, like, he was mostly known, like, uh, as a commentator after he stopped. But, like, I think Wade Barrett and Nigel McGinnis would count or, mm. or may, may count, but, like, those would be two people I would also give shout-outs to as well. But, like, you know, former wrestlers or wrestlers that... Uh, do commentary. I think they're both uh, really good heel announcers. Yeah, if you can make WWE sticks sound good, then you're bloody amazing. <laughs> just already. like the real, the real trick for WWE uh, commentary is like notice the shows that Vince is producing for the commentaries, and notice and notice the shows that like he's not that Michael Cole is actually doing. Mm. Like the stuff that Michael Cole touches that in in work that Michael Cole has done when he's away from Vince. Is so much yeah. better than the stuff he convinces with him. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like with the NXT UK shows when they first started those, like you're just like, oh yes. wow, like Cole really is good. Even if he did introduce the show in yeah. my favorite nerdy way of going, greetings, grapple fans. <laughs> like even he did that, <laughs> he was still fantastic for those shows. You realize yeah. how talented that man is. It's like, no, seriously, he is good. It's not his yeah. fault. <laughs> There's a commentary right. stranglehold <laughs> from the boss in Gorilla. So, yeah. yeah, and that's the crazy part is like Vince. When Vince was doing commentary, Vince was I liked Vince. Obviously, mm. I had no, I didn't have much of a reference for it because I was like, I was really only like uh, Shivani and and him as as play by people for wrestling. But I knew at the time because I was young. But like, I liked his enthusiasm and like obviously people killed him for not knowing the moves. But he was like, what a maneuver or whatever else. And one, two, no. But like, <laughs> I enjoyed him as a commentator. But like, once you know he's such an over manager that like when he's telling people what to do then it becomes a conflict because like then people get in their heads and are afraid to get gun shy almost mm. so like mm. i think the main thing is like michael cole is actually pretty good at this when like he's not getting killed by vince mm. so no, the, the one thing from that era for me is unbelievable unbelievable <laughs> just uh shout out to the edit from osw where they did the unbelievable songs that like, you're unbelievable and did I ever just edit after edit of <laughs> Vince going That's unbelievable. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, but yeah, so uh, CM Punk here though on commentary, he gave his serious voice because he has to talk about something really serious that has happened. He's got to talk about the Suzuki incident. It's like, oh, it's, oh. <laughs> it's so serious. <laughs> just leading into a uh, promo from Archer and Suzuki hyping up the Suzuki gun reuniting for next week in New York. And this is when it hit me that because they're leaning into the silly Twitter thing of the Suzuki incident, making it canon. This is just how you, this is how to treat a fan base. It's just a, a perfect example of how to do it. The two will face Marx and Kingston and Suzuki's music will play, damn it. And this is when it dawned on me. It's like, have they just guaranteed an even bigger pop for Kazaini New York? <laughs> it's going to be amazing. <laughs> like, talk about turning in, things round into a positive. Also, really proud of my pun of Kazaini New, New York. <laughs> I was so, smiling so much when I wrote that. I was like, well done, Nymph. Yes, become New York. <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> uh, but yeah, still, 
Or is Kaze wind? Oh, oh, I think that is. Oh, yeah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Leave it. It's not as good as the last four. Still, turn it into an absolute positive. Just We'll see it later in the show as well. Just amazing stuff. Amazing stuff with this. Yeah, Make, Making the Suzuki gun, Suzuki incident canon and giving us a Suzuki gun reuniting. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, as James said earlier, this is so much better than what we thought they were going to do. <laughs> it's so much better. And... So this is the bit where, as a English viewer who just forgot certain things, I was watching this show. Malachi Black comes out with the cloak on his head like a smart, bit, smart businessman Jedi, which is <laughs> all Sith because he's wearing black. And he cuts his evil Dutch promo. He'll be facing coding next week. So this is all building to that. And then, I, and then he calls out, and the camera pans to her, and I'm like, "Wait, is that Rosario Dawson?" <laughs> right. <laughs> just completely forgot that she's on the show with Cody. Uh, the Go Big Show, and uh, I was just there. The entire segment was like, "Why is Rosario Dawson there? <laughs> why is why is why is famed actress Rosario Dawson at ringside?" But yeah, to well, promote the show, that and also, um, I kind of know this. Like she's kind of she like she's from New Jersey, I think, oh, or she? she lives there. Is I there? Right. Yeah, like she. Okay, so. Uh, a a a I'm sorry a um a congressman named Cory Booker that's in that's in that area she used to date him mm. yeah right. so like yeah so like she is a tri she's from she's a tri-stater so mm. like for her be there I I can see that and like you know if she wasn't gonna be there then it will probably would have been um uh Jay and Silent Bob probably <laughs> uh Kevin Smith mm. so like it was a just a natural tie in obviously with the synergy of the of uh of Turner so like it worked I you know I was kind of upset that she was on team Cody Rhodes I did, I I had forgotten about the show but like I was kind of upset cuz like when um <laughs> when uh when, when Malachi said that, like, uh, who who here is uh, of the House of Black? Uh, could, wait, please rise. Like, I stood up in my house. I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm with it. I'm, I'm on board. I've loved everything he's done. So, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed the brawl to the back. As it kind of keeps with um, what this build and this uh, this uh, the the heat was for them, which is like them like running up on each other. So, um, you know, uh, I thought it was kind of goofy that he came from like. The shield entrance, even mm. though he's the EVP, should be in the back. Mm. But whatever. It, uh, yeah, they brawl to the back and like you know get ready for uh, Arthur Ashe and like I'm going to enjoy with them having a feature length match. Um, I, I've liked I've liked Cody in this role, like in the way he wrestled in that for me to match, even though he lost and it was a, you know a, a very one sided. But like if that is what he's going to bring to the table, as opposed to like the the super theatrics that he brings that can be exhausting at times, sign me up. I think he's better. Like I, I think he's better. Like when he's more in that role or wrestling like a non-top match. Like mm. I like this TNT title run. For yeah, example, that's a, that's a shout. I say yeah, and it's just my media action is just what a unique segment pairing. <laughs> it's just when Malachi <laughs> Black came to AEW, I was not expecting a segment where Rosario Dawson jumps on his back and tries to choke him. <laughs> just what are you? And for me again, this is uh, we've seen it twice now. The difference in, I guess, product integration, like a businessman's dream, like we saw with uh, WWE at SummerSlam, where the product integration with the big water truck for Miz and Morris, and then they have a whole separate segment where they're having a water fight <laughs> with uh, Xavier Woods. And that, that difference where it's a whole separate thing that, yes, it's integrated into the show, 
but it's not natural at all. <laughs> it's just so right. forced into its own individual thing. And, for example, my full expectation is in WWE, they just have Rosario at ringside and go, that's Rosario Dawson. She's on the show with somebody on our show. Go watch it here. Just do a plug or something like that. Just like, She's at ringside. Isn't that cool? Celebrity at ringside. Celebrities like wrestling too. Just us. We're cool. Don't, don't be embarrassed to be watching wrestling. <laughs> it's just... It's, uh, however, here, it's just, it's the second time in a row, because the other one was Space Jam. I love that integration. <laughs> With the Elite coming out oh, in the, yeah, in the yeah, squad yeah. of it. Uh, I thought that was brilliant. Especially as Space, Space Jam was one of my favourite films as a kid. Like, didn't watch basketball, didn't know anything about it, but I thought Michael, Jack- Michael Jordan was cool. Because <laughs> he was in Space Jam. <laughs> that meant a lot to me as a kid. Well, I mean, it worked because, like, it was a commercial for the for those Jordans. Like that's that's, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's mostly what it was. Yeah, Space Jam and the first Star Wars, where they just sold loads of toys off of it and just a little bit different products. <laughs> I was the perfect age for that. <laughs> I bought everything. <laughs> just that kid in the. I don't know if you had. Do you have Toys of Us in America? Uh, they filed for bankruptcy a couple years ago here. Yes, yeah, uh, but here, yeah, yeah, we did. We but we oh, okay. Well, so yeah, we we did have it anyway. Past answer. <laughs> Yeah, so my parents would take me around Toys of Us and it would be like the Space Jam or the Star Wars toys that I really wanted. <laughs> it's just, can I have this, Mum? Can I have this? I'm like, no, you've already had one. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, but anyway, in this segment, Rosario, he, Malachi Black calls out Rosario Dawson and you see as he's walking towards her, there's, I thought the shot was great, where he's staring down Rosario and you see Cody in the background and he's wearing such a bright red suit that you know it's him. <laughs> he's just like, ah, here comes America, <laughs> storming down the stairs. And he, and he just yeah, charges that at Malachi Black and it leads into a big old brawl and everything and even Malachi taking somebody's drink and just smashing it <laughs> overhead. That, uh, again, uh, what I was saying earlier is that they were scared about uh, the, the cups being thrown at MJF earlier. Yeah, that's just included in the brawl. It's fine. <laughs> just the smashing drinks overhead during the pandemic. It's okay. Uh, yeah into a full old ball. It was just the Rosario Dawson inclusion. Just caught me so off guard. <laughs> it's just I'm just like, I don't know what this segment is, but I love it. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's great. Uh yeah, hype as you were saying, hyping up for the match next week, uh, uh Black versus Rhodes in yet another hot match for next Wednesday. Can't wait. It's gonna be amazing. Uh, so yeah, good stuff here, good stuff here. After this, we've got the Dark Order. They're still falling out a little bit. Uh, Anna Jay is in, in a... I can't be doing with this now. If you're going to be falling out like that, then none of you come out with me for my match. <laughs> just just leave. Just leave. And it's like, yeah. As I said last week, kind of like the default adult of the group. <laughs> just like, come on, guys. <laughs> Get a grip. <laughs> I don't know what this, what this is going to result in. I don't know if is going to be a guy coming in or somebody coming back that's going to kind of help reunite them or if they will realise the errors of their ways which feels more Dark Order arc over time they'll slowly realise the errors of their ways and become the best friends in the world just over time just over time they'll reunite it feels like a Dark Order arc of sorts it's all about friendship and realising your self-worth and confidence and all about that so yeah they can do another one they can do another one so, oh, uh, in the chat as well, uh, Lionel's Playworld was his Toys of Us. <laughs> just showing his age. He's like, I have absolutely no idea what Lionel's Playworld is. <laughs> no idea. Neither do I. <laughs> James as well. Uh, I was about to Google it, then remember where every, oh, my entire setup doesn't keyboard nice to. <laughs> so I'll just leave it. So uh, then we got Dan Lambert. I love Dan Lambert. 
I think his promos are fantastic. He knows the perfect words to say to Violet, specifically the AEW fan base. Just, yes, so good. Yeah, everything he says is pitch perfect. Out there again with Paige and Sky and MMA people I don't know, but I'm assuming they're MMA somebodies. I think I slightly recognise some of them. Didn't know if because if they were MMA somebodies or because they've been on this show before. But yeah, I don't do MMA, so I have no idea. Uh, Lambert's promos are so damn good. And this brought out Jericho, which I... I was just like, yeah, I don't know why I didn't put this together before. Of course it makes sense to be Hager stepping out to face the MMA guys. I'm an idiot. <laughs> why didn't I put this together? It makes so much sense. And yeah, with Jericho's music here and Lambert's just shouting over it. Just turn this shit off. They don't even know the words to this shit song. Look it up on their phones. <laughs> it's not that good. It's the song is shit. Which leads into the whole crowd belting out his theme. <laughs> again, he is so good. <laughs> it's perfect, he does it. Uh, yeah, again, makes all the sense in the world for Hager to be the man joining Jericho for this. And a tag match is set for next week for New York. Uh, yeah, Jericho name-dropping scuffles he's had with MMA lads just to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tough man too. Yeah, I, I face big, big people. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be all right. Uh, my Jericho accent needs some work. But still, it's a <laughs> really uh, a really natural matchup that I just didn't see. The Pounds makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so I am a, a casual UFC fighter. Or fighter, I'm not a UFC fighter. A casual UFC viewer. <laughs> um, so, uh, and I, you know... So, like, uh, the people that were there that I knew were Junior Dos Santos uh, and Andre Ar- Ar- Arlowski. And they, I think they've been around multiple times. And then um, the first, another person that's kind of um, f- familiar is uh, Paige Van Zandt. Um, uh, Paige Van Zandt is, like, a person that, like, that ends up on a lot of the UFCs and our pay-per-views, like, ends up on a lot of TVs. And she draws pretty good numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, uh, but, yeah, like, I-, I think it's cool. And, you know, you mentioned the, um, you mentioned, uh, uh, Hager, we haven't seen him in weeks, so um, it's cool that they're going to have that match. Um, and Dan Lambert, like I love Dan Lambert, like I, you know, for me, he's one of my favorite promos uh, this year um, in professional wrestling. He comes out, he rounds up the crowd, he says he sound, he's basically like this, he's basically the stand in for Cornette, like mm. in this in this whole thing when um, Jericho comes out and then he plays them to get to, he, you know, and then Lambert like smartly plays them to say that line about. Um, you, you idiots don't even know the words. Cut his music off, and then they start singing. It's like he get he you know is Pavlovian almost not Pavlovian. That's not the, way, the word, but like mm. he basically he go to, he, he got the crowd to do what he wanted to do by by doing that. And like he's just damn good. And um like this was what Cornette could be could be doing right now. Like he mm. could be doing this, but instead they got Dan Lambert instead. Like and when Jericho came out, I was like, wow, this is this basically is Jericho versus like faux Cornette and like what the what that would have been had like you know Cornette kept up kept coming up with hating AEW for so long that like it, you know eventually he's kind of softened his stance on AEW over the uh in the last few months um I think a lot of it had to do with Bobby Eaton thing um the tribute to Bobby Eaton but like still like this is kind of like we can't really use Cornette because too many people in our roster just would not not go for it on but like we'll get somebody that is what's had the same talking points and like he's in there with real people, and like it helps that like he is um, he is a part of one of the top uh, UF one of the top MA uh, fight camps, and he cut prom- he cuts promos like a damn uh, as good as anybody, and he mm. comes in is almost like you know uh, 
he comes in, he's another luxury. Like to have all these great promos and have another guy come in and some, you know, more or less folk, uh, functioning as a manager. Like it's gonna be fun. Uh, like I think Ethan Page is a good promo in his own. Uh, but like you know, it doesn't hurt to have more, right? Like mm-hmm. what's cooler than CM Punk as a heel? CM Punk with with Paul Heyman. What's cooler than Ric Flair as a heel? Ric Flair with Bobby uh, Heenan. So yeah, I, I think um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and Jericho, like, he keeps finding more and more ways to get people to sing uh, his song that people think, like, isn't over with the people, really. And it's like, he keeps finding new ways. Like, he is a, you know, a worker's worker, if you will. Um, <laughs> but, like, I, but Jericho versus uh, Jericho and Hager versus uh, Men of the Year, uh, I. I'm interested to see how that match goes because it could just not, it could just be a fine match, but like if, if anything more than just being a fine match, it could be interesting. Um, it would be overachievement because like I don't really think that Jericho um, and Hager as a tag team for me, I don't think it's really ever like worked that well. Um, but you know, um, maybe they find something here. I'm, you know, there's a bunch of people will be around ringside. I'm sure it'll be it'll play into um, some type of interference, or whatever else. But um, if this is a way to get uh, some of those MMA guys uh, uh, from uh, from uh, American Top Team into uh, AEW, like have them versus Inner Circle, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. Again, there's just possibilities. We just look at it. There's so many possibilities out there as well. But do you know where the biggest possibilities come from? Because up next, we had a Gun Club promo. So Jake Cargill versus Layla Hirsch <laughs> was the next matchup. I'm just going to ignore it. It's fine. Perfectly fine. Hirsch, the absolute perfect woman to face Cargill. She is just a perfect opponent. Really emphasises that Greek god physique of uh, Cargill. And, yeah, like acting as a clear step up as Layla like, grapples around her and legitimately gets a run of offence. A step up for Cargill and the people that she is fighting. Uh, yeah, the running knee, we were... Shown getting the win on Dark to no avail against Jade. Uh, going to up her offence but misses the moonsault and boom down with the big boot. Hoisted up four, which I've I forgotten what Jade calls it, but it's the glam slam. For the win. Yeah. And yeah, this was a nice little showcase for Jade who start, continues to feel like an absolute superstar. It's it, You can see watching her that they're still kind of having to hide the weaknesses. However, they are doing that. <laughs> so he's you know, like playing to the strengths of the person that's there rather than homogenizing everyone into but this is how it's done type of thing like no they're playing to Jay's strengths and Hirsch is the absolute perfect opponent to play to that as well uh, yeah I thought both come out of this looking great and obviously Jade is set for the moon but they're being very gradual with it which is smart but yeah just a nice little building block yeah um, like the like the story of the match um Yes, there's a huge uh, there's a huge size discrepancy and length discrepancy, mm. but um, one person is a shoot wrestler, and the other person is more of a a, a powerhouse phenomenon, if you will. Mm. And like, it, you know, uh, Layla kept taking hex at the at the tree with the axe, and um, she kept you know getting behind her waist locks and uh, you know tried to single leg her and different things, whatever else was on top of her at the beginning, and then the power took advantage and. Um, uh, Jay had her moments, and then you know, with the guile of a babyface from underneath, 
Uh, Layla mounted a comeback, and she had the, the the big woman on the ropes, and but just couldn't put her away. And then ultimately, uh, Jade uh, took it, or you know, moved out the way, <laughs> moved out the way of the moonsault, and then you know, finished it because uh, uh, she was hurt. So like, it's classic storytelling. Um, I like to see what these two can do with each other a year from now. Yes, yes, a hundred percent. These two feel like they're going to be pretty long term deals for AEW in the women's division. Again, yeah. especially Jade, as they're putting so much kind of. A, gradual attention to her as well uh, you can sense there's big ideas for the future but let's not rush anything they don't need to rush anything did um by any chance do you watch um the nwa's all Women show from a few weeks ago no i did not I've, I've seen all the positive stuff from it from it and i know of course that hirsch was in the main event against camille yes i would say i would say watch the main event it's like it's something like a three and a half star three and three quarter star mm-hmm. match and it's mostly and it's all and it's a lot of this except it's like uh it was probably the best performance i've ever seen from layla like i saw a few mm-hmm. i saw a number of her matches when she was in stardom uh the beginning of, two, of last year but um yeah just um like she's a really good she's a really good fight underneath against bigger women, which is you know, um, really hard to do because a lot of the women that are really that are that are larger and like also green like uh, it, they almost seem like stiffs. Mm. Uh, but like she was able to you know like um, Camille. Um, I don't know I, as far as comparing Camille to um, Jade. I don't I mean, obviously Camille has way more um, experience, but. Uh, I thought it was kind of applicable, applicable as far as like um, you put uh, Jade is more um, charismatic, but uh, she, but Camille's a little bit ahead, and like the match they had was really good, and like I think that you know a year from now, two years from now, whatever, like I think that they could have that kind of match together if um you know if they you know if they can get the progression that you would hope for out of Jade, because like Jade has star written all over, it just comes down to can they get the matches to to uh, to to co- to match with what she has as a personality. Oh yeah, you can see it from like the her debut match where that that, yeah. that charisma is just sky high. In, in terms of the little things as well, it's just like the way that she went for the pin and the way that she was taunting in between moves and things. That she or immediately the instinct is just there. She's got it. It's just that yeah, the rest of it can it all click together. And yeah, they're not rushing anything, which is good. So Taking the time, slowly, uh, slowly building her, which is the absolute perfect thing to do. Uh, after this, we've got an Andrade promo, continuing to remind us, oh yeah, there's now loads of potential amazing Andrade matches in the future. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yes, they still got him. He drops Shavo. Um, that wasn't really touched upon. Yeah, but we'll, which kind of makes sense. If he was trying to just, if he's more focused on a certain thing, why would he be fretting over Shavo? But yeah, cool. <laughs> it kind of makes sense, especially if a certain other guy comes in to manage him. Yeah, <laughs> a bit with a bit more prestige. <laughs> uh, so after this, we had Taz running off on Punk. Currently, I love Taz. <laughs> it's just, especially as Punk just didn't do anything. <laughs> Taz gets so angry at things and Punk's not done. <laughs> I think it's great. Uh, with his boy Hook by his side, Punk staring the kid down before Hobbs charges out and clobbers him down. Well, so they're both shouting at him. like, it's clobbering time. It's clobbering time as they beat down CM Punk. A dragon sleeper from Hook to quite a big pop from the crowd. <laughs> Gotta say, Hook is over. And Punk's fight back is short-lived uh, with a Hook clearing the broadcast desk for Punk to get a single arm slammed through it by Hobbs. Just the big old beat down to set up the Rampage match next week as it's Hobbs versus CM Punk. 
But yeah, this is a little angle that's continuing to build, assumably, to Punk versus Ricky Starks. <laughs> but yeah, just... Uh, it's, 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 I have a mixture of... They made Hobbs seem like a beast. They had Hook doing goon stuff, <laughs> to quote Rich. And then, um, yeah, and then you have you set up Punk's second match, but then also you're building to Punk versus Starks without Starks even being there, which is, again, good AEW shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I, uh... <sighs> <laughs> Are we sure we're still going to get that match uh, come Wednesday or on Wednesday they'll be uh, recorded and uh, played on Friday? Because, like, the way Punk, did not go through that table. Mm. He looked like he was in so much yeah. pain. Like obviously, <laughs> like you know, obviously, like uh, you know, people sell uh, you know, the wares of battle uh, uh, in this performance arts. But at the same time, like it, it, it was one of those where it looked like it looks like it's it, you know, it ain't that hard to sell when it when it feels like a shoot. Yeah. Like he like he was in some pain. Uh, and <laughs> in it, 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 uh, Excalibur later in the show popped me when he said that he went through a lucite table. We don't need to know what what the hell is made out of. It just didn't break, and it was it, it, like it was painful as hell. It, it popped because it's like you're such a dork. I love it. Um, so so yeah, like two thumbs up for me. Like the second he came out, and then like he came off of the uh, and Punk came off of uh, the headset. I, I just, like oh he's about to get clobbered. Like where is it coming from? Is it coming from the from the tunnel? Uh, it didn't come from the table, but it came from like I guess the drape right next to the tunnel. Uh, so yeah. Um, you know, I had to get heat on CM Punk at some point, so um, I'm interested to see their match on uh, on Friday, though. Definitely. Yeah, and cool for Hobbs as well to get CM Punk's first TV match in the, the, the years, his second in the company as well. And just Punk doing exactly what he was saying, where he's excited to face the new kind of com- up-and-coming competitors, these exciting stars, and Starks is on his list of like one of the top people to face, uh, his young stars in AEW, and this is slowly building to that. In fantastic AW fashion, where each match he's having feels important, but Starks is the one that he knows coming around the corner. It's just yeah, and this and this next match here exemplifies AW's amazing ability to give you a great match where the crowd are hot, but at the same time they're building to another one or two matches. It's like oh yeah, really really good stuff. So Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard versus Darby Allen with Sting. Uh, Spears running on top for most of this match. A nasty bump for Derby as the guy decides to sell an apron leg chop like he's taking a handsome lariat. <laughs> Just spinning inside out, landing on his head. Crazy, crazy, the man. Dumb, <laughs> the dumbest spot. Like, yeah. I, he got his legs swept and he spun as if, like, you know, like you mentioned, Stan Hansen took his head off. I was like, yeah. on the apron, too. And, and, like, the landing was not pretty. Mm. I was like, man, mm. like... This kid here, man, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, off of a chop as well. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, followed though by an awesome spot uh, where Spears just wet a towel at ringside, and then we're going, "What's he doing? Is he gonna like just, just choke it?" Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't connect immediately with what he was doing until I thought that it. he was right, and I thought at first like, "Are you about, about to do a waterboarding mm. angle? What is yeah, going yeah. on?" And then it was like, and then he poured the water, and I was like, "That's not enough water to do that, or at least." Whatever, maybe you can fake. It's obviously the game's illusion, but I'm looking at the amount of water you poured in. I'm like, nah, that ain't gonna cut it. And then, then he wipes off the paint. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, like feeding into Spears's entire point of Derby being nothing special. You just take the paint off him. What is he? And it's like, yes, yeah. yes, amazing. Uh, Derby's fight back also had more crazy moments because <laughs> he's Derby <laughs> as well. So, so. 
you mentioned it, right? So now that like, <laughs> is there a potential that like Roman Reigns is watching that? Uh, given that he's about to go to the stream rules with uh with with Balor dressed mm. up as as the, the I don't know if it's in in the war paint right like yeah. does he see that and was like son of a bitch I was planning on doing that now 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 <laughs> now that they 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 they, un, they they beat me to they beat me to market with with you know doing that <laughs> uh oh and also in WWE because Finn Balor and the Demon are almost like Tom Hardy and Venom just different oh my god <laughs> in a way. Like, uh, like, like he's a symbiote, <laughs> just slightly. Okay, crazy. so you, you've been watching SmackDown, correct? Uh, but yeah, on and off, yes. Okay, so when he brought back the paint in the last few weeks, is it is it just war paint like how it was everywhere else except for Vince McMahon's, uh, you know, creative mind, or is it like, or is it actually the Demon King is back? So the way they phrased it was they won't be facing Finn Balor, he'll be facing the demon. What's the phrase oh, I heard? Fuck. The main so roster is always yeah, I was gonna say the main roster is so always vanity like Venom style. <laughs> well it's just like well, no, it's just the same guy kicking into another gear. Um which again, they nailed in NXT. Because my other example would be um in New Japan where he put on the paint and he kind of help make the match feel like a big deal. Like right. Hiroki Goto gets his one title shot, he paints himself completely in, like white with the characters, and um, yeah, Finn Balor doing a similar things, paint, painting himself, becoming like a, a zombie king thing for his big entrance. NXT got it a hundred percent. It's not a different person. It's not a monster. It's right. the same guy kind of gearing into something. But on the main right. roster, they couldn't understand that, or they couldn't figure out how to market that. So. Finn Balor and nah, his demon. Vince, Vince just thought it was boring. He's probably like, "Why would a guy? Why would a guy sit in a chair and get painted for for hours just to just to hype hype himself up? Is he a dumb? Is he an idiot? It has to be supernatural." So it's like, okay, so he's supernatural. So you think he's a dummy for that? Um, but like, he has this ability to tap into something to make him special that he just l- refuses to do for title matches. Mm. That doesn't make him stupid, huh? Okay, Vince, mm. whatever. And then, like I, yeah, like uh, Darby Allen is another character, just showing like no, I'd be so scared for him in WWE. He's like, oh, so you're like, oh, you're like a zombie. <laughs> like, no, he's not. Actual. Did you did you ever hear what Darby Allen said about uh, about WWE? Like, I guess right around the time uh, he showed up in AEW, I don't remember anything. He says something along the lines of, "If I went to WWE, they probably have me like in a corner masturbating, as it'd be a piece of type of freak show." And I was like, uh, "Oh, obviously, obviously, he's going a step too far in mm. saying all of that." But like, I could see them saying he's type of weird creep or something, or mm. like, you know, I, I don't know. Like, they they definitely would not like have him try to be like a Sting, Jeff Hardy type. They definitely mm. wouldn't be going for that with him. Because he obviously is too small for them, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. even if they believe him, they still would have pushed him. Vince would have got him in. Like, nah, all right, I got. Yeah, so I'll say I have to push him. Uh, whatever, we'll come up with something weird. Like he'd been like a Loomis character or something. Mm. Yeah, just a, a weird likes death person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a shame. Yeah, but yeah. So in uh, Darby's fight back, the ring steps Spears had used to beat him down in the beginning came back to bite the Pinnacle Man in the butt. Darby reversing the Death Valley driver attempt and driving he and Spears clean over them with a dive. A hell of a dive from the crazy bastard. 
just cleaned it out. And uh, yeah, coffin drop for the win as well. Just, yeah, we thought the yeah. earlier spot was crazy. Like, no, he did a dive over, just only over the bottom rope, and he cleared the stairs as well. It's like, oh, he's a crazy kid. I, I, as it was happening, I was saying, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. And then he did it, and then, like, I was, I, I was horrified thinking that, like, Spears was going to land on the back of his head. Mm. Um, it, it looked like it didn't happen, luckily. But, I, <sighs> bad things. <laughs> Like he he gives you these things where you just like you it makes you want to wince and like the crazy part about him is he builds towards these things so well in his matches um like he's you know he's great work underneath and like uh, obviously he takes the beating so you get behind him um so then he eventually overcomes because he, he's a great he's a really good technical wrestler obviously mm-hmm. but it's like and maybe that's the next step for him over the years like as he you know matures and ages and the body doesn't and his body can't do what he wants it to do because he's fucked it up so much <laughs> like he will then start just basically becoming like you know more like Daniel Garcia and Daniel Bryan and Zack Sabre Jr or you know Gargano Cole or not Cole but, uh you know a te- just a te- he's cuz he's such a strong technical wrestler anyway that is like and he's such a good storyteller is like he doesn't necessarily need to do this stuff but people love him cuz he does it but like once he gets himself to a certain level, he will realize he does not have to do that stuff as often um, in his matches. And like you know, it'll probably be better for his career and better uh, in the long run because he like he's he, he has it as a storyteller. He absolutely does have it in mm. the timing for it too. Yeah, yeah. Long long term, these crazy spots can slowly <laughs> just be voted out. Whether he'll agree to do it, <laughs> it's another thing that may may you never know. A, a change. A, Adoptions have happened in wrestling. Just talk to Mick Foley. He, he's adopted many different styles to adjust. Um, but after this match as well, FDR with the post-match beatdown. A spike pile driver to Sting in 2021. <laughs> it's a crazy spot. And Tully with the final familiar message. I was like, oh, the spot in the match that I thought was like a cool little spot in the match. It wasn't. It was a setup for the next thing to come. Just like, oh, yeah, brilliant. As Tully also wipes the paint off of Sting, wiping the face paint off of the icon. And what a fantastic little message and setup for Arthur Ashe next week. It's, yeah, I just wasn't expecting that to be a setup for anything. So it was just a cool little spot, but then he also does it to Sting. It's like, oh, yes, this company. <laughs> yes, it's great. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Arthur Ashe has been set up so yeah. incredibly well. Yeah, and I mean, someone has to, someone had to eventually get some some heat on Sting because, mm-hmm. like, you know, the stuff with two point where he's, you know, certain things happen to him and you know uh, he can kind of just like no sell. And obviously, that was Sting's thing in um in his, in his heyday was being able to no sell some huge thing or whatever else to get the crowd like in the third and in, going into third act of a match like losing their shit. But um, yeah, uh, you know, it's valuable that like you know that like he can still do the no sell thing and then also wear ass whooping and whatever else to get heat. So like, I, you know, I, I think, you know, as far as treating legends, like obviously AEW does a really good job with it, but like, I think Sting is at the top of the list for how they treat um, someone in that's not even like someone that they put on TV to be in matches. Like he's just around to be, you know, kind of like a, uh, you know, I don't know, just a friend, a friend, uh, a, a, a veteran, um, an experienced ear for for Darby, or whatever else in their friendship, and I think like him being around has like helped Darby a lot. In um, like one day he's gonna be AEW World Champion, and like we're gonna have we're gonna look back and be like, what a way! Like it wasn't just Darby it was also like the way that AEW and Tony Khan and everybody else handled like the Sting thing to make this like work. 
as together like you know it's obviously like he's a new age thing as far as being like the crow thing and like the face of the face of wcw the icon or whatever else and like maybe he becomes like the icon of of aw uh you know years down the line and that's like the at least unofficially or whatever like mm. that like it's it's, it's it's really cool like i really enjoy watching things like the third favorite wrestler of all the time so like to see him on uh tnt every week just about and like it's a, it's fun. Like it's not like it hasn't gotten boring or tired yet. Like it's just been fun. It's he's been around since December of last year. Mm. Yeah, it's it's just fun. This entire run has just felt so incredibly fun, and it's just again you can just tell with these like oh with the critiques with the, when they're of course they're complaining about Goldberg happening. It's like oh but you're fine with Sting's like Sting's hardly <laughs> like he's not. He's there, yeah, but he hardly wrestles and he doesn't really have singles matches, never mind title matches. <laughs> like, it's just night and day differences in how to use a legend and get over that next generation. Yeah, Sting's run, yeah, incredibly fun. The in- entire run so far since his winter, his coming debut. And then we talking of big debuts, Omega and Danielson. They played a little video package. Tony Giovanni's in the ring. And we get a reverse of last week's segment where the Elite got the interview. This week, it's the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, who has adopted the name once again. It's all over the Titantron and everything. And uh, and once again, Don Callis cutting off before any questions can be answered. <laughs> Running his mouth, getting the crowd to call him a piece of shit <laughs> and all of that stuff. Uh, before Brian just directly talks to the champion. Because uh, Callis came out of the Mega. Just directly talk to him. And this is like the second time that Brian Danielson has done this. Just essentially cutting the shit. And as uh, some, some, I can't remember which podcast they're listening to. They're just bringing up that. It's been really nice hearing Brian Danielson just swear a lot. <laughs> just <laughs> just swear. <laughs> like in this promo as well. <laughs> just uh, yeah, just uh, yeah, bringing up the piece of shit thing. Does that, yeah, Brian Danielson was one of those people who's reveling in being able to swear. <laughs> He's loving it. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he wants to fight Kenny, talking directly to him. Like, he'll even be fine if the title isn't on the line for this one. He wants to prove himself. He's here to fight the best. But all he's seen is a guy hanging out with a bunch of stooges and lets a piece of shit talk for him. <laughs> he's like, oh, Danny Bryan said shit. Oh. <laughs> he wants the best bout machine, the god of pro wrestling. Words that convinced Kenny Omega and he accepted the match. To Don Callis going, oh, but still, even if the title's not on the line, why would you? And yeah, he said he riled up, but he spoke to Omega, he riled him up. And the crowd as well, just hearing those words, especially as like Kenny Omega's almost entire career long arc is all about kind of self doubt and just being like, so uh, kind of like paranoid at his own uh, kind of fallings and stuff. And he's just so insecure, that's what I'm looking for. Like, Kenny Omega's own insecurity, be it the, the past with, like, Kota Ibushi and the whole stuff with the Bullet Club and then coming over here with AW as well, the falling down to the tag scene with Hangman and the way with Champion and everything. Like, so many of his actions are just built off of being an insecure character. And there's loads of notes here as well. Also, I like the idea of... Um, I don't know if it is a pure mind game, but Kenny Omega this week also came out in a plain white T-shirt. White <laughs> Danielson's just... Uh, I think I made the joke. It was like, yeah, we have released a plain white T-shirt and call it the official Brian Danielson shirt. <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> do they have the balls to do it? <laughs> it's the next question. 
that, that fully making themselves a t-shirt selling company. That's all they are. They're just a t-shirt selling company. Don't even put a logo on it. <laughs> just print it. No AEW tag or anything. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. Plain white t-shirt and everyone will know. Uh, but still, yeah, I this did so well to build that segment. And of course, with that insecurity, with Daniel Bryan, sorry, Bryan Danielson, it's going to take me a while, saying that I want the best belt machine. The crowd knows what that means. But I really love the idea of Kenny Omega. You could sense it in him. Can he actually step up to that level? And we'll find out. Just an amazing tease. <laughs> the crowd are excited to see it. And there is that character kind of dynamic as well. It's not for the title, so this could very realistically be a time limit draw. It's been a while since we've had one. I really wouldn't mind <laughs> this going the full length, given who it's between. Like an absolute dream match. And it's on television. Just really capitalising on whatever uh, people they've got watching AEW, be it temporarily or not, through Brian Danielson, immediately booking it. Just not waiting till build anything, or like, we'll wait to a big show, not waiting to full gear or anything. Like, no, we're going to strike while the iron is hot and do it within like two or three weeks of his debut. Which is uh, just, con- that hype feels like it's just not dying down since All Out. Every single week has been like a barrel of fire. And they did really well to build to that match here. Yeah, um, I, I didn't think about the part of uh, of um, Omega's insecurity uh, long form over the over the career over the arc of his career. Um, but I did think of um, I did think of the part where like he, he obviously doesn't want to wrestle the dude, but like, the, and I also think like for a lot of people, a lot of people and a lot of naysayers, um, like a lot of people would have like obviously they weren't going to do a title match, but even if they even if they uh, weren't like people are going into it with their guards raised because a lot of people like going into this have questions and concerns about AEW as things come progress because of what happened in at being former watchers of WWE or still current watchers mm-hmm. of WWE. So like um you know a huge sticking point for a lot of people uh over the years have been like the elevation of stars in the big spots on big shows like WrestleMania for example and like you know it's cool to have you know, part-timers come in, but once you start making, like, every almost every single marquee match ha- involves some dude that's, that's going to leave uh, after after uh, WrestleMania Sunday, it becomes an issue. So for, like, uh, for Brian to come in and then two weeks later get a, would have been necessarily been a title shot, it would have ra- raised a lot of people's eyebrows. So, like, that promo is to tell people, like, Kenny Omega doesn't want a title shot, Daniel Bryan doesn't necessarily want a title shot. He just wants to prove he's the best. Like the title will come into play after they have their match in you know months down the line, but um, he, they want to come out here and have a big, sh- a big match. And I think it's really cool because like if it were me and I've already sold all those tickets to Arthur Ashe, I'm using that for I'm having Daniel Bryan come out after Kenny Omega's match, um, uh, Arthur Ashe to then you know set up a match like you know in a month or whatever else to sell another large gate. I, I'm not I, I wouldn't have they they didn't have to do this. So um, I thought it was really cool. I thought it explained to people that have their antennas up about like all the, you know, the quote unquote, you know, WWE ism or the pitfalls of, you know, like pushing people, pushing uh, people out the way they're for the new acts that are coming in. Um, it it kind of uh, assuages their concerns. And like, you know, like you mentioned, like a, a time limit or whatever else, like they're going to go out there and they're probably going to have a draw. But like, it's going to be really fun. And obviously these bu- draws are fine when they build towards something. Mm. Right. Like um, so I, I, I really enjoyed it. And um, 
I uh, I don't know what their match is going to look like, um, but like I'm interested to see what it looks like in like how it builds into whatever they do when they have a, a bigger match after that, probably. Um, but either way, it, it gets Daniel Bryan into into like into AEW wrestling, and then like we'll see what happens after that. Like the next week after um, the Arthur Ashe week, like we'll probably get to see him, um, you know, wrestling, and then like we'll see how he, you know you know, tracks up the card. Um, but like he feels like a really big deal. This match feels like a really big deal. Um, and it's only been on two, on a two week notice almost. And like, you know, um, it almost feels like the Daniel Bryan that we kind of thought we were going to get when he came, when we came back out of retirement in 2018, where it's like, I never thought this was going to happen. I thought it was going to be done forever. And like, he's back. They didn't really capitalize on it that well. I'm in WWE, but it seems like that energy is like there in AEW, and it's really cool because like that's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Mm. An absolute dream match, and the crowd were chanting AE Dub as their main event was getting set for the next week. They were just simply announcing a match, and he got an AE Dub chant. They are so into this. <laughs> uh, again, they this show did such a great job of just really getting the just hyped for next week, and you can sense it on commentary for the main event. Where Tony Giovanni almost very genuinely just like Jesus Christ, <laughs> just, just sense the excitement. <laughs> it was just uh, you know, it was as Mox is making his entrance, and it's just like it's such an incredibly fun time. And he's uh, jesting with the uh, crowd, and Tony Giovanni's just like having the time of his life and realizing. And next week we're in Arthur Ashe. <laughs> it's just like the fun is not stopping kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah applause all round, and the, it absolutely nailed building the hype for next time. Miro then got his promo, just questioning Fuego's desire to get the hell beaten out of him again, but what is he to say no to somebody who is willing to step up to him? Uh, again, Miro with more amazing lines. It's Miro, you come to expect it. He's one of those guys currently where when you see him appear for a promo, you stop whatever you're doing and you pay attention. He's, he's, he's got to that point. <laughs> his promos are so good. And in terms of longevity of Miro... That means he's also, he doesn't need to wrestle. <laughs> he can just cut this short video promo and he can do this for weeks. You don't need to see him on the, you don't need to see him wrestle. <laughs> it's great. Right. Really good stuff. Like, the the thing that, that watching AEW is so fun about is like, you get to see so many promos to, uh, on the show and like, you know, watching Raw when they would come in and open the first, you know, 15, 10, 15 or even 20 minutes of a show when just like, they're running. They're basically like just almost filling time because it's a three-hour show at this point. Or even, but they were doing that like during the Attitude Era with Austin and, and The Rock and, and Vince, where they just come out and just like and they kind of condition themselves like that's why you have to start a show. Like if you can spread that out, you un, you you stop your wrestlers from feeling overexposed. Um, you give you then give more time to other people to then be able to cut promos. Like think of how many people cut promos or how many people had talking segments in this show. Like on a two-hour SmackDown, that many people do not get that uh, get mic time. Just don't. And like promos don't have to go five minutes. Like, like short and sweet, ninety seconds or under. Like gets the job done. Like they have MJF, Daniel Bryan in um in uh I'm sorry in in I'm sorry, Daniel Bryanson in Kenny Omega and Callis, uh to have MJF and um and Pillman. And and then you know the Fuego del Sol, the Sammy Guevara, the 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 um, the Adam Cole, the uh, Jurassic Express, and Christian. Like 
all these people are getting are getting shots again mic time to be able to talk and like you know you know this is like the first weekend i don't know how long that i don't think Britt got a chance to talk on tv she wasn't even on tv this week but it's like uh or on dynamite this week but like that's the reason why people like these guys so much mm. like yeah they get the shows like like obviously like this is a this is a different crowd than um than the WWE crowd, but like people get a chance to show a bit of their personality and their motivations and whatever else, like and it's most of the roster or half the roster on a on a given week as opposed to like you feel like only like, you know, maybe like uh under a maybe a little, a little bit over like eight let's say eight people get to talk on a on a episode of Raw when he's like, All right, well like what what do um, a lot of these acts have 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 to say nothing. They just go out there and just mindlessly wrestle. All right, mm-hmm. like I like mindless, I like mindless wrestling. I just like wrestling matches in general. But like, I've always been told that people want more, and like AEW seems to figure figure out a way how to give people more as opposed to just like the wrestling and then like the nonsense that happens for non finishes. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, again, and Miro's like the king so far. <laughs> he just, just grabs you. I really like Miro. <laughs> He's so good. Amazing time. Like Miro. Miro was kind of, you know, with Rusev Day and all that kind of stuff, he was already doing this yeah. when he was in WWE. I, I, yeah. I don't know what happened to where they soured on him or whatever else, but, like, you know, one, one, one promotion's loss, another promotion's gain. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, like, they did the John Cena treatment with him where he loses the feud, even though he gets an amazing tank entrance at WrestleMania. Then <laughs> they had, he had the stuff with Roman Reigns, where it's like, why isn't Roman getting cheered off of this? That's because... He's insulting the man's wife, and he's do, is yeah. this, he's the heel here. <laughs> why would why are we why would we not cheer Rusev when he's defending his wife and not really doing anything? And you have Roman yeah. Reigns come out like he's the Rock because he's having to repeat characteristics. It was in that period yeah. where they didn't know what Roman Reigns' character was. He just for every angle he was a different character. Like you just give him Daniel Bryan's characteristics, you give him the Rock's characteristics, and it changed from like angle to angle. Cena. Cena, especially, <laughs> especially, yeah. especially in the early days as well, like it, yeah. it's changing so much, and that was like one of my critiques is the range, range doesn't have a character; he changes to whatever they the kind of need for the plus idea this time. Uh, obviously, yeah, like, now not a critique that fits, <laughs> but back then it was a major problem. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things where um, I think they kind of got or. Vince McMahon um, kind of got himself because of John Cena for a decade plus, 15 mm. years more or less. Like he kind of got himself to a position where, like, he felt like you need somebody to kind of come out here and be an MC master of ceremonies that can come out, talk to the crowd, be energetic, be witty, mm. um, have some fire, and get you out and you know go out there and cut a classic uh, promo for that filled time, filled time, and made you happy to see what was going to happen on the card. Like it was funny to see um, CM Punk uh, last, I think it was last week, come out and more or less do a John Cena promo. Yeah. To start when he came out. Yeah. And like, not everybody can do that. That's really fucking hard to do. <laughs> um, and like, the, the once Cena happened in WWE, it's almost they felt like everybody has to kind of fill has to fill that role. There's no, you know, fitting the show around the talent you have. Is more fitting the talent around the show you have. And it's like. That that doesn't work in sports. That and I don't know why that would work for 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 uh, pro wrestling. Like Roman Reigns, looking at where he is now, he could have they could have figured out a way to get him to this a way earlier, mm. yeah, way earlier. But they were too busy trying to make him any 
you know, not fully other people, but like have elements of other people that made you like those people. And then like, nah, it's not him. He's not an underdog. Look at him. <laughs> he's not an underdog like Daniel Bryan. He's not The Rock. Like The Rock is a once in like you're not gonna find another Rock ever again. Like, and he's not John Cena. John Cena is a person that like that is a used to freestyle rap for for a long ass time. Like that off the cuff thinking and working the crowd is something that you build over years and years of experience and like and also like dealing with that in front of live crowds or whatever else. Like that's really hard to do. So um, you know, Roman, I'm glad that he's he's doing what he's doing now, but like that just wasn't they finally found it and it took him having to literally leave the company for, you know, months at a time and come back with a new, completely new thing. Um, and with AEW, it, 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 for, well, they, if they had a Roman Reigns, it would not have taken them, uh, what's it, uh, damn near five, six years for them to, fi- to, to figure it out, to rejigger it. They would have said, Hey, just like with the dark order. All right. This incel Hill thing is really working. Let's make you guys in lovable geeks. Um, like uh the think Miro. Miro came in as this gamer person or whatever else mm. that was doing Twitch things or whatever. It was like, nah man, that's not really working. Uh we'll keep you undefeated for now, but like you gotta come up with someone else. And then came then you have the Redeemer. Like I they give people time to figure out what they want to do and how it works best for them and to put it in their own way. And then like you feel you feel like the passion that's coming out of them. You feel like um I wanna say a sense of realness, because obviously they're playing fake characters turned up to or you know turned up to an extent but like it just feels more um fitting uh for these people that uh to do these things they believe in like i don't like when they turned naomi hill a few years ago i was like that's not Na- that's not that's not really naomi i mean it ain't really you know not saying that she not saying that she did a bad job doing it but it's like you could kind of tell that's not really what she wants that's not really her you know and team bad or whatever else not nah, like mm. and there's a bunch of people like that there are a bunch of people that are just like you know they're sweethearts behind the stage and on camera, but they're like playing healing. You're kind of like, okay, I'm not, I'll go with it because you're doing it. I'm not really buying it though. And, and opposite, like, so I think AEW does a really good job of like letting people kind of figure it out on their own. And like, you're going to seek and swim or and if not, like we're going to have to like rejigger some things. Cause like, that's, that's what booking is. Like not everything you're going to come up with is a great idea. And this man like used to come up with a lot of things that stunk. Like Rocky Maivia stunk. Mm. He came up with the, like him and, you know, him in, in the rock and, Jim Ross came up with The Rock, and then like it took off from there. So like it, I just think that you know they're less. I don't know if because Vince is older that he doesn't adjust much, but like I think AEW with that that willingness just to change things like that has been a huge benefit to their favor. That like things aren't working optimally, and they'll figure out a way to sometimes you make it better than you could have imagined. Yeah, and even if something on the night doesn't feel like it's definitely clicking, they've built up that faith as well. Just especially over time as well, as you see things slowly get worked out and kind of just changed and tweaked a little bit, and yeah, eventually it all turns out all right. So yeah, yeah, you yeah. built up trust, Adrian. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying like aw right now really enjoying it <laughs> so it's really. like, i was so hyped coming out of, out of this show it's like yeah i'm gonna make this photoshop damn it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so sad. Uh, but yeah uh, after this we got matt hardy saying he's going to turn orange cassidy into an orange egghead cool i mean when last week when they did the uh shaver thing or unless it was the week before i was like that's weird that's gonna come out of nowhere and, and then this week he's like, it's gonna be hair versus hair it's like oh Maybe Matt Hardy's just decided he wants to go bold, so let's just do an angle. <laughs> cool, why not? But yeah. Um, yeah, it's not really much else to say there. Yeah, 
as in, oh, okay, cool, Hardy's going bold. <laughs> it's just the immediate takeaway. Uh, unless AW swerve it on its head and Cassidy goes bold, but Cassidy doesn't have much hair to begin with, so not a bigger deal. <laughs> no, and Cassidy yeah. just, would he care? It's like, no, you have the hair versus hair is built to have the heel just screaming like, no, 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 what are you doing? Just flailing about as they're getting the hair cut off. Like it's the worst experience in the world. Like it's a child having a bath. <laughs> just, just like, no, I don't yeah. want it. <laughs> it's just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I, I can't wait for that moment. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. And it's Orange Cassidy who kind of exudes those fun segments right now as he's he's one of those like big acts kind of on the back burner who he like he re- very recently had a title match against like Kenny Omega and Pac. Like he's had a yeah, big match not that long ago. Double or nothing. Yeah, double or nothing. Double or nothing. Yeah, and now he's on the back burner. It's like, yeah, he'll be back again. It's it's that thing of uh, like Hammer and Page as well where the amount it's, it's the amount of people still they see online where uh, it's just the thing of oh they the buried hangman and he's like he's nothing now like well he's not even using him it's like well I mean context of actual life seeping in for that second bit right and for the first bit it's like if the only way you could possibly say that is if you're not really watching the show because you see what they're doing of course and people they go off the burner a little bit and then they'll put them in later and they're doing it and Orange Cassidy's another example of that he's still relevant. Still doing stuff. He's just having like minor little back, like kind of off the fire fuse, and we put back on it after the things rotate round again. Which I think long term for AW rotating the talent, which is just one of my biggest peeves for like WWE, especially Raw, where we're seeing the same matches again and again and again, or at least the same people interacting. Even if it's not like an identical match, they'll often put. Like to technically be a new match, they'll put two different sets of people who are interacting together, but they're still then interacting with the same people. <laughs> so like, you're, you're still thinking about that. You're still thinking about that woman's tag match, stuff, aren't you? Bloody, it took over half an hour. <laughs> it's like, and they mucked up the finish of the first one, which was hilarious. It's so confusing. As in, Tamina just got her arm yeah. up in time, and they played the, her music. Okay. <laughs> the right. said her name. <laughs> Right, didn't she yeah. kick it? Didn't she basically like kick it like three? So she did a Roman Reigns amazing kick out. As in, as the hand's coming down for the three, her shoulder goes up. And I think someone's done like okay. a really close examination where you can see when the referee's uh, hand hits the mat, the shoulder is up. But of course, okay. like, is the referee definitely going to see that type of thing in the moment? She did an amazing near kick out. <laughs> it's basically what happened, but it was too good. And the referee counted the three anyway. Because it's WWE, they're like, if the ref counts the three, we're not going to do any of this nonsense where you can't really tell or anything. You just ring the bell. Just that, That's it. Like, it. Yeah, muck-ups happen. That's what Vince wants. Okay, cool, fine. However, this is why Red Shoes does his little hover. <laughs> this exact moment. This is why. Yeah, sometimes it looks a bit, uh, but you don't ruin the finish of the match. Like, the bigger picture here, where you get a complete and uh, nothing finished. But it was very funny because immediately, because you can hide whether the person meant to win or lose or not. However, Tamina's music was obviously on the road to play. <laughs> it was on the playlist. <laughs> Her music starts playing and the announcer in the arena, who was blatantly just so enthralled and paying attention, says Tamina's name as the victor. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah, this this clearly had your attention so strongly that you knew who won the match. <laughs> like, no, Tamina's music played, he said Tamina. And... Yeah, it was it was quite funny, <laughs> to say it the least. <laughs> it's just, 
Uh, and I'm watching it going, ah, oh, I don't know how to review this. <laughs> it just seems fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Again, AEW feels white hot and Raw is, this week, yeah. was mostly fine with a white hot ending. So I'm not going to ignore that. The ending was really strong uh, and got a lot of positive energy for WWE, which they desperately need. And especially with next week, they need something running into that show. They're going to face major competition again. And AEW are going to have all the momentum with the Arthur Ashe show, which they've built up incredibly well. And personally, if WWE start trying to do things to get your attention, to mix it up a bit, like like with the Big E thing this week, where it's like a major deal, I really liked how they promoted it beforehand. Like, if they start doing that, and I think the word, the phrase that I used this week to kind of review the show, because I don't know do scores to do, like, yeah, this is a phrase I use. I went with evidence of effort. If, <laughs> <laughs> if there's evidence of effort most weeks on Raw, then that's a good thing. I win on that. I win. <laughs> As a viewer, I, I, compared to what we've been getting. <laughs> so, yeah, I did feel a bit like a teacher writing a school report. I was like, there's been evidence of effort. <laughs> like, keep going, Timmy. <laughs> You'll eventually get this. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it was. Uh... But we watch, watch AW, and it's just full momentum and hype, just barreling along. And then we get to the main event with the commentators. Again, Tony Schiavone, just as Mox's theme was playing, just like, oh, this has been so much fun. <laughs> you just hear it in his voice. As they were to take on 2.0, who have been an NXT release just. Just amazing since then. <laughs> amazing pickup by AEW. Seemingly Tony Khan's reaction was because uh, when um, Adam they're questioning about Adam Cole being like the major NXT signing that other do you reckon there might be others in the future? And Tony Khan just immediately but then going, wait, you don't count 2.0 as a massive NXT signing? <laughs> I think they're amazing. He's <laughs> like immediately in his voice, he just tells like he couldn't believe they let them go because they're such good comedy acts. <laughs> they're perf- the perfect people. To talk that big game and just get the just get the shit beaten out of them like really quickly because they're they're not good, <laughs> which I really like. They're they're delusional jobbers, and there aren't enough of those in wrestling. <laughs> I really like the delusional jobber character because they can run their mouth, they can build up a match, get excited to see the face, and then the face just destroys them. It's like yeah, cool. Uh, Mox in another main event as well, as again he's another character off the burner of massive angles. But then this whole Suzuki incident thing happened. It's like a dream scenario. <laughs> where you got something with Buzz, it can just run with it. Yeah, a fast-paced brawl of madness as they just wreck 2.0, who were nothing. <laughs> just destroyed them. A commentary, a Shivani calling, wiped him out with a violent crown as they then go for the pin. Yeah, cra- uh, f- yeah. fast-paced brawly stuff is how I'd put it. Then Suzuki's music hit. And I was like, oh, I thought you were saving this for Arthur Ashe. Oh, we're getting it now. <laughs> cool. Uh, AW fully running with the incident. Like, it's such a great way just to go with the fans. <laughs> like Archer putting Kingston out as soon as Kazanina Rare had been sung. Ending the show with one more big old brawl. Uh, Eddie and Lance in the crowd and Mox Suzuki brawling all over ringside. They teased the Gotch Style Power Driver through the announce table. Knowing AW probably getting it next Wednesday. <laughs> no, in not only did they not only did they tease it, they teased it was going to happen on top of the ring bell as well. And I was like, mm. no, don't do this. Don't do this. And then they got down like, thank you. I don't, I don't want to see someone, you know, get, get direct by over that, especially for, you know, especially for like, you know, the brawl to heat up your match. Like it, it I would prefer you not do it, but like <laughs> if you're going to do it, at least save it for the match. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, the, yeah. This was just a nice little hot brawl to end the show in chaos and just leave you just so hyped. <laughs> just all of that energy because it's building and building, and you know the show's going to end any second. And it's one of those rare occasions where even that you know you're missing something, you're fine with it. And that also makes the ticket to see AW Live something special because they get to see something you don't as well. Like how well, how did it all die down and all that sort of stuff? WWE used to do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You like you go to live crowd and you wonder how uh, Brock Lesnar and Reigns are going to figure out like who lets go of the title first going into the go home <laughs> show uh, oh, for oh. WrestleMania 31. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, that was awful. <laughs> so bad. I was like, wait, they're having a tug of war over the belt. Okay, like I, I get it, it's metaphorical. I get it, mm. but like it's also very childish. Like yeah. just let go of the belt, and then like one of y'all let go of the belt, and then like you'll see like what happens like on Sunday. Well, mm. whatever. Uh, you know, there's also childish to see people fighting the ring or fighting yeah. outside the ringside too. But whatever. Uh, you know, pro wrestling is just goofy. But <laughs> um, that was yeah. really weird for me because I, I I wasn't on social media till 2016. That's the first time I went, like, oh, went wow. on it, and I I didn't like I read the odd column on Lords of Pain, but I wasn't really engaged with internet wrestling really at all. Like I've mm-hmm. I've been watching WWE every single week since I guess late 2005, and. But I oh, didn't... you poor man. You poor <laughs> That's soul. when I started. That's when I started. <laughs> Again, the, the story I've told quite a few times is the first episode of WWE I ever like properly watched uh, like in my own home was the episode where they announced Eddie Guerrero had died. And I was excited oh. to see him. I like, played with him on the video games. I'd seen him at my friend's houses. Like The first WWE sh- uh, vessel, or wrestling at all thing I ever watched was WrestleMania 17. So... Uh, as quite a few people have gone, oh, you poor soul! It's nothing but down from there. <laughs> it's just the sort of the wrestling random. Yeah. But it still bit me. Like I still really enjoy the games. I still, I still like, to this day, I still go back to GM mode. And hearing it might be coming back this year gets me excited because that was my favourite mode. It's a nice little chill. Th- I like chill modes. It's fine. I don't need pure action or an excitement all the time. <laughs> Sometimes I'm fine to just flick through menus for a bit. It's all right. <laughs> it's okay. But, but yeah, I so I never, I, I never got the. I can't remember what, what my whole point for that diversion was. <laughs> but yeah, so I I watched an interesting time and the slowly grew that momentum. Never got that huge competition. I got TNA kind of. They ran <laughs> against WWE and started being weird with the whole Hogan. As, as uh, I just remember that my peak TNA fandom. I felt like that era for me kind of died the week Hogan arrived. And my kind of my, my last thing was the it was uh, Joe Daniels AJ two, and the crowd were chanting "Screw Hulk Hogan," because well we don't need him. This is amazing stuff, <laughs> and uh, yeah, for me the product just died as soon as he arrived and changes started happening. You could tell it's like oh, this sucks. <laughs> they still had height, still had good things in there. Again, like the, the rise of Bobby Roode and James Storm, like elevating those guys. But it came at a cost first, which is like a year of BS before you even got to it, which was a bit of a shame, I guess. So, I was going to ask you a question, but I'll leave towards more digressions, so I'll just refrain. I'll, I'll okay. pull the punch. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But towards the end, we can do this. <laughs> we can stay on topic. <laughs> yeah, so, a, a little rundown for next week with uh, big Grand Slam shows, including a two-hour rampage with Punk's first TV match for AEW are taking place on next week's Rampage, including other matches built up like the Super Click Six-Man, uh, Sting and Darby versus FTR, Jericho and Hager versus Paige and Sky, 
You feel the hype for the Arthur Ashe, including other matches with uh, Britt Baker defending against uh, Ruby, 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 so <laughs> It's going to happen every time I have to mention a name. <laughs> Taking place next week on the show. The fact that that bit is now like an hour and 50 in, <laughs> it's like, it's your reward for dedication, getting this far into the show. Uh, yeah, so... That'll be uh, taking place next week as well, as well as Omega Danielson, which was the major match announced for next uh, time. Oh, and of course, we talked about the Suzuki incident and <laughs> all that match going for that as well. A white hot card. Just This show just gave you that impression that this is the biggest deal. And it came out feeling incredibly hyped and it caused the show went off the air in a brawl of excitement. And yeah, I mean, it's a question that I'm assuming I know the answer of, but did this show get you excited for Arthur Ashe next week? Yeah, um, I'm excited for it. Like, um, let's see, the only other show I'd be more excited for right now in, uh, on my horizon will be like the the final two, um, the Grand Prix on the 25th. But that's it. Mm. You know, like, and obviously, like that's that's the finish of a tournament. You know, so that's that's really it. Uh, so yeah, they've um, on a two week build, like you know, and this and this card isn't built like you know as if it's some artificial thing that they can't recreate with the talent they have. Like, obviously you have the inertia or you have the big deal of uh, Bryant's first match in AEW. Um, but like outside of that, like, I mean, this is CM Punk's second match. Uh, this is um, Ruby, Ruby Soho's like third match in AEW. Um, yeah. Like this, you know, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. Um, this week, and then like I, I also wonder like it also I think it sets a great precedent for or gets them off to a hot start like c- coming out of all out like, um you know a lot of times go you know like AEW and NXT, um coming out of their quarterly pay per view or you know pay per view you know every two months or whatever else like it feels like they're almost like, re- you almost can feel them resetting the table, mm. um at times so like. I feel like them just going to this two weeks later, like it almost like it, like this is like the best they've ever came out of a pay-per-view in my opinion. So um, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It also shortens up like the distance of feeling like that, you know, three weeks out from a pay-per-view that they have. So it almost feels like a kind of a dead period um, at times. It depends on how inspired that quarter of, uh, of TV is, but mm. um, they're off to a hot start. So I, I, I just imagine what they have with all the toys they have, um, what they can do, um, on TV to build towards uh, full gear. Mm, the excitement is real. They've done a fantastic job. And uh, I'll yeah. be covering it this time next... Well, not not exactly this time next week, because I'll be joined by Sir Sam, who lives in Australia. So the live time is a little bit different <laughs> next week. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll I be... think they're... I think... Hell, like, okay, so you're five hours in front of me. I think, yeah. like, for me, I think he's, like, 16 hours in front of me. Oh, I know when Ricky and Clive were trying to figure out their invitational, where they got uh, trying to figure out they had American, a Scotsman, and uh, an Aussie. They're trying to figure out the times to do that. It was just crazy. <laughs> just to get that done. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. So next week, I think I'll be going live either one or two p.m. my time, which in America comes at like seven or eight in the morning. <laughs> it's yeah. Just, so getting yeah. ready for work time rather than going to sleep times. <laughs> rather than after dinner. Just the reverse of what it is <laughs> normally for this one. Actually, that might, that might work out all right if I'm going live at the exact 12-hour difference <laughs> of my normal time. Then that's all right. Uh, but yeah, that's, that should be when I'm going live. Just 
And I think that, that was partly Sam giving me enough time to actually watch the show and make the stuff for it. Because <laughs> it takes time to make these photo shots. <laughs> Gotta actually do them. Anyway, I will be back then with Sir Sam. But I'll also be back on Tuesday where I'll be joined by uh, Vance of the Sounders Edge to talk about Monday Night Raw. I've got a pro WWE person to be excited about WWE because I bloody need it. <laughs> I'm like, I, I want somebody positive about WWE because I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not totally there. <laughs> and hopefully this point where things are just a little bit more, there's positive, there's positive aura around after last week's show. Fingers crossed. So yeah, so I'll, first I've got to get through Raw. But after that, I will be ready for Arthur Ashe. And I am excited. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I cannot wait for Arthur Ashe. So anyway, as normal, uh, thank you for engaging in any form and any manner, uh, be, it, uh, be it whatever you do. D- never take it for granted. You can follow me on Twitter at the damn implicat. That's damn as in damn. Uh, again, that's Chono now. <laughs> and the implications with two S's over on Twitch. And as well, uh, you can follow James Boyd at jamesboyd87. Uh, James, do you want to plug your stuff to sign away? Yeah, uh, Twitter, JamesBoy87, as you just mentioned. Also, uh, follow our um, our my podcast, One Nation Radio, at One Nation Radio uh, on Twitter. Um, weekly, we do a show where we more or less talk about like a bunch of different things throughout the week uh, in professional wrestling, whether it's AEW or WWE or NXT or New Japan Pro Wrestling or a Stardom or whatever else comes up. MLW sometimes, AAA comes sometimes. Uh, Hell, I think we uh, we did Tokyo we did the uh, Tokyo Yoshi Pro Cyber Agent show, the one that had Tokyo Yoshi Pro in uh, in in Noah and DDT, uh, like you know whatever basically whatever is uh, like you know on the horizon that week, whatever else uh, in different forms like it'll come up. PWI we talked about this week, so uh, you know just topical tough things of the week and big things in professional wrestling around the world. Uh, so yeah, um, check it out. And with and all the uh, links are in the description for One Nation Radio as well if you want to go check them out. So thank you for all, all of the engagement stuff as well. I've already, I've already, not, I realise I do that a bit after. <laughs> so my sign-off is now unnatural because <laughs> I have to do it twice. Anyway, with that, I say thank you for watching, getting to this point as well. I bid you adieu. Get excited for Arthur Ashe. I cannot wait. With that, I bid you adieu. Adios. And James bids you... Later.